shit. What's up, wrestling fans? Ah, it's that time once again for them boys from 607TWS. It's 607 Podcast to talk all things motherfucking pro wrestling. See, that slack of sleep from last night's pay-per-view is killing me. Ladies and gentlemen, at a special time, but this guy for this week, 607TWS Live on twitch.tv slash 607podcast. And of course, replay also on the Twitch channel and anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607TWS. That is absolutely right. And of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host. One of your hosts, actually, here on 607 Podcast and Twitch. My name is Rich. I'm also the host of the Three Founders Podcast. And joining me, as he always does, he's the other host here at 607 Podcast on Twitch. But you know him more from his glorious, luxurious, masterful hosting of the one and only Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Kedem. I didn't stutter 607 Podcast, fam. I said, let's do this shit. I meant, let's do this shit. Jump in the chat. Let's talk. I know. I turned the mics on, and he's like, let's do this shit. I'm like, I know. we went live already. <laughs> but that's that's par for the course. We're going early. Of course, uh, we're going early for a couple different reasons, uh, mostly because it is Memorial Day here in the United States of America. So we would like to thank all of the active and former veterans of the military for Absolutely. your great service to the United States of America. If you are one of our wonderful, wonderful uh, listeners outside the United States. I don't know if that means much to you, but you know what? Since we're in the U.S., U.S. strong, we're repping a heavy, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop stroking his ego. Our studio is only so big. Hey, listen, got to go with big openings. Big openings. Take notes, young Padawan. I mean, technically, Ken has to do the big openings on your show, but that's the whole part of being a host. Uh, with that being said, also, uh, Ken M is super excited. And another reason we went early because the blue shirts are playing tonight at 8 PM in the game seven. Let's see if they move on in the Stanley cup playoffs. I believe in Igor blue shirt nation, stand the puck up. Let's go. So there's a couple different reasons. Uh, you know, so it's kind of nice to get in here and get out. Of course I have a three fighters podcast, even though it is a holiday and I am off from work, uh, because it is a holiday. My work is never done here. And, of course, it's never done when you're talking about the world of pro wrestling, for better or for worse. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but we got a jam-packed show for you. In the main event of this uh, show, we are going to be talking, uh, of course, previewing WWE Hell in a Cell, of course, as much of it as we can, mm-hmm. because the card is announced. And, of course, uh, we'll also be talking about the movement of Money in the Bank. Yes. Because uh, I hit the wrestling news airwaves. In the mid-card of this show, we're going to be going over all of the independent wrestling's double-or-nothing extravaganza as uh, VSX Wrestling Revolver and Game Changer Wrestling had great showings as well as as well as Black Label Pro but we're not I, I didn't get a chance to see that show mm-hmm. so we won't be reviewing that but they also were a part of it uh, we're going to be talking about that also giving you your updates on the New Japan Best of Super Juniors uh, standings and also looking forward to this upcoming weekend's Game Changer Wrestling's Tournament of Survival Weekend, which is going to be amazing. Yes. Uh, so uh, we're going to be doing that in the mid-card. And, of course, in the opening bout, we will be talking all things All Elite Wrestling, including reviewing 
double or nothing. So uh, you're not going to want to miss that. But before we can get to any of that, Ken Tell the fine folks how to get a hold of yourself and the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. We interact with everybody. Check out Parlay Points. New blocks count anywhere is up right now. The T Public Store, always a good time to go get some ODPH swag. The directory where you can find friends of the show, such as 8122Productions, 3Fat Nerds, 607TWS, 607 and so many more. Everything and anything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. Of course, if you're trying to get a hold of us at the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, it's simple. 8122productions.com for all your information about the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, Horror Zone 607, and 607TWS. Of course, on that website, we also have uh, links to our T Public Store. Uh, if you want to buy some swag and support the show, including the 607TWS logo shirts and more stuff on the way. Of course, also, you can find out about the link to our Patreon for as little as $1 a month to get a ton of extra bonus content at Patreon. Patreon.com slash 8122productions. And last but certainly not least, uh, if you would like to get a hold of us on the internets, on the social medias, it's simple. For each and every one of them, it's pretty much just three fat nerds pod. Throw it at in front of it if you have to, and you can get a hold of us and talk to us. Twitter is usually the best place. Mm-hmm. That's where I you know, respond the most. But that doesn't mean we're not on Instagram and Facebook. We are. Just type it in there and also TikTok. So make sure you're hitting it up. With that being said, Kenem, we got a lot to talk about, and I know, I know you're excited, so why keep everybody waiting? Because it's time! That's right, it's time to kick off 607TWS, and we can't kick it off without talking about all elite wrestling it was their big weekend mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the biggest of the year or second biggest i don't know we can't get a real answer on this some people will tell you all out is the biggest event of the year some people will tell you double or nothing we can tell you double or nothing was the very first all elite wrestling pay-per-view yes that's true so now they're in year four officially officially four years of all elite wrestling and i always consider this their SummerSlam. i always consider this number two or one b if you will right right but once again there is yes. an argument to be there, made oh yeah absolutely story. but before we get to all elite wrestling's marquee event double or nothing which we're going to break down the whole card and review it for you uh let's talk about what led into double or nothing because there's some interesting stuff let's first of all start off with wednesday 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 the go home show of dynamite we're not going to break down the card or anything but i'm going to tell you some of the problems we're going to talk about at Double or Nothing really started on Wednesday. Yeah. They're, because Wednesday, kind, I, I'm, I'm not, I've been all right with the show lately. Mm-hmm. I've, the last month or so, I've been like, man, really churning out some good shit. But this week was kind of sloppy, lots of botches on, on the Go Home Show, and not a lot of answers. How did you feel about the Go Home Show for, uh, for AEW Dynamite? You know, it, it was very puzzling because they've been better recently but this was a very disorganized show i guess i would say just there was no real kind of feel no real sense of going into a pay-per-view that big feel you know hype behind it it just kind of seemed like meh we did get a surprise with the united kingdom coming out and uh, attacking uh however uh trent beretta and uh, rocky romero however the botch of the claw slam through the table yeah i guess one two three and he went on one when great o'con was on three i don't know 
So, and once again, shit happens. I don't, but it was just kind of like this weird pace. And it was like, man, coming into this event, we've been hitting home run after home run after home run, in my opinion, on TV with AEW in regards to in-ring work. Mm -hmm. Storylines have gotten better. There was a couple stories coming in to Double or Nothing. MJF and Wardlow. Yeah. Uh, even the title picture, even the world title fight, a little bit had a had a nice little build going into it. Almost, oh, I I couldn't wait. You know, I was hoping Hangman hey, would have dropped. You know, you know, I respect you, Booker Man, or some shit to him. Yeah, because uh, that would have been kind of even funny. Little nod to Brian Pillman. Uh, but anyways, like it, it was a it's a very interesting, con- you know, thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to Thursday. Where we had the double and nothing media scrum. Of course, I was working and busy. You, on the other hand, we you were in the uh, chat. You were yeah. taking care of it. Uh, highlights. Let's leave the MJF stuff out because that's going to go part of the next portion of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, highlights of it. What, what, what were the little bullet points that you took away from the Tony Khan media scrum on Thursday? What I thought was very interesting is they did bring up about uh, doing the Forbidden Door and All Out in Chicago. And, and Tony, I thought, answered this very well. I thought he was very passionate about it and saying how much of a rich history AEW has with the Chicago market. They were saying that they don't feel it's going to be oversaturation doing the show. They think that it's arguably their strongest home base. And he really got behind the idea about doing the multiple shows there because I know there was a lot of confusion about, okay, where are we going to go there and not so much. And just you know, kind of feeling the questions going into the show and just really addressing about Warner Brothers Discovery and the L.A. show. And saying how there's the first time that they're going to meet the executives at um, from Warner Brothers Discovery at the L.A. show. They really want to put their best foot forward. This is a very, very important dynamite. So if you're going to tune in. I was going to say he used the word make or break. Yes. Dynamite. The specific wording was make or break. Yeah. So it's going to be a big thing for the future of ROH, uh, you know, coming to television. Because I know you kind of lightly touched upon that as well about where the direction's going with that and I in, in my opinion I'm still a little confused about what the final vision is going to be for ROH under Tony Khan I, I, I am glad you brought that up because it was a little strange to me he mentioned during the pre- the media scrum that Ring of Honor that Tony Khan not AEW bought mm-hmm. Ring of Honor yeah and he did it specifically because he doesn't want them to be the same but yet everybody who has been signed to Ring of Honor has been signed to all elite wrestling contracts and even gotten the AEW is all elite, uh, i.e. Uh, Cole Cabana, Brian Cage, who we know are going to be a part of that, obviously. Uh, Samoa Joe, uh, which I'm assuming he's on both rosters, but a lot of them are going to be relegated. Brian Cage is pretty mm. much relegated to Ring of Honor, the same as Cole Cabana and a few others. And, you know, Jonathan Gresham, also, yeah. I would assume. So it's kind of an interesting take that, okay, so you're signing to them to all eat wrestling contracts. I understand they're not up completely and running yet, so maybe that's the reason. Yeah. But it's kind of strange that he specifically said that when purchasing Ring of Honor, I purposely bought it myself. Yeah, I thought the wording was just very interesting, but still not giving enough to know what's going to happen here. So I think a lot of news is going to be coming out after this dynamite in L.A. Probably the next 72 hours after, I think we're going to get real clear vision of where we're going with the ROH banner under Tony Khan's leadership. And that brings us to the big thing that came out of the media scrum. Uh, I, I forgive me. I forgot the outlet asked about the MJF situation. Opening question. The MJF it was the opening question. Mm-hmm. It's on everybody's mind. Uh, we've known for probably almost a year now, there's been rumblings that MJF wasn't happy in AEW and it's gotten a lot louder. Um, 
granted, we don't know the entire situation. Mm-hmm. So it's it, there's a lot of uh, internet sleuths out there that are speculating, and we don't do tons on speculating. We do know it has something to do with uh, what we've heard from people, I should say, is it has something to do with creative, mm-hmm. and it has something to do with money. And I have my own theories. We'll go into them because it's going to come into a part in a minute. Sure. But during the media scrum, and I'm paraphrasing Tony Khan, when Tony Khan was asked, he basically said, well, you know, there is some friction. However, we have put that into this newest storyline, and sometimes that's why stories are great when there's a little bit of reality in it. Yeah. To which, right after that happened, right after it was reported, MJF literally went, this guy, LOL, fuck this company, and put that out on Twitter, and two hours later deleted it. Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward to Saturday. AEW's having a fan fest. Uh, now, I did get the particulars of this. There was one price to go to the fan fest. There was another just like cons to get meet and greets with people. Yes. So MJF had meet and greets at 100 bucks a pop. I've seen receipts on the internet. That's the only reason I know they exist from people who paid. People paid $100 to see mm. MJF. MJF no-showed the event. And then there was rumor that he booked a plane ticket out of Vegas. That was only rumor, speculation. Mm. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen. We know he didn't get on the plane. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yes. However, that was out there. To be fair, Samoa Joe also missed the, the fan fest. However, Samoa Joe was a communication era, and that is a whole nother yeah, kitten caboodle yeah. that we'll touch on later on. I'm going to use that after when we talk about the post-scrum, if you will, of mm. Double or Nothing. But how interesting was it that does it seem to you that this friction between AEW, Tony Khan, and MJF, and then all of a sudden after this comment at a media scrum, MJF no-shows a fan fest, and up until time of show, nobody knew if he was going to be there or not. This is very much cause for alarm. And to miss a fan event, like, okay, we can say whatever we want if it's a worker shoot, sure. But you're talking about paying fans that gave their money so if you're screwing them over for a work, this is a bad look. If this is real, which in my opinion, I fully believe it is, this is bad on AEW because one of your homegrown talents, one of your biggest stars, to say disgruntled is an understatement. And if you're really going to bail out, much like Sasha Banks and Naomi did on Monday Night Raw, a show is a show, this is a bad look, especially with all the eyes of the pro wrestling world on you this weekend. This is a big weekend. I, I will give credit to uh, AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did give out full refunds for everybody who purchased a meet and greet, but that still sucks for the fans. Oh, absolutely. It absolutely does. And, of course, that brings me to one of these things that you throw out there. I think a lot of times wrestling fans nowadays throw out the word worked a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a point in juncture in the business where, you know, like me, I like getting work sometimes. Like, I like getting work most of the time. I like it when somebody surprises me and it's a fucking smack in my face. There's times when it's nice to know it's going to happen and it happens and it's a good moment. Yeah. But there's always times when you get worked where it's like, I don't believe this is a work either. No. Uh, there's way too much stuff and there's way too much going into it. And let's fast forward to double or nothing. Yeah. Uh, before we jump in there, there was a pre-show match, Hookhausen. Uh, defeating Tony Nese and Smart Mark Sterling. Nothing to really make note of uh, other than the fact that fucking Danhausen is over and Hook is over. Smart move. They're both over. The Rock and Roll Express, or I mean, uh, the Rock and Sock Connection has hit AEW. I like it. I'm not complaining. I'm no, no it's great, but it is what it is. 
Let's jump to the thing. So we found out shortly before showtime from Dave Meltzer mm-hmm. that MJF versus Wardlow was opening the show at 8 p.m. And I instantly went, well, this confirms it's not a fucking work. Right. Because, and some people were like, oh, see, see, he's there. It's a work. Why would you put on one of your best storytelling shows in the opening slot? Why would you put on one of your marquee performers in that opening slot when you should be putting in something exciting to get the crowd into it? Mm-hmm. Fully agree. Then the music hits. MJF takes him in to come out, which is fine. You mm-hmm. build up suspense. And when he came out to the stage, he didn't look like his normal self. He had this disgusted look on his face. He kind of he, he he got into the sauntering, but he had this weird look on his face. Wardlow came out. Wardlow had a weird look on his face. Yeah, like I felt bad for Wardlow. I'm going to throw that out there. I really felt bad for Wardlow. He's super fucking over. They built a fucking cool monster, and he looked almost like. I, I, I'm assuming that they must be friends on some level. I'm sure they've worked together so long at this point, and it looked like he was almost like fuck. Do I really want to do this? It was a weird feeling. And the whole match being in the opening contest. By the way, great heat from the crowd. Oh, yeah. The crowd, crowd was, was definitely pissed, about it. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I'll give that shout out there because that, that deserves to be brought up. They did a you showed up chant. That was funny. Yeah. I enjoyed I enjoyed the you showed up chant. But my problem and issue is the match was rushed. It was basically a squash. Yeah. There was 10 power bombs, And then afterwards... MJF, I think to prevent him from pulling in Austin Aries, they mm-hmm. brought a stretcher out. Yeah, completely. But, I, but MJF rolled to that stretcher perfectly fine. And then they put the fucking mask on him wrong. Yes. That was hilarious. They put it over his eyes. And then they wheeled him out. And uh, Sean Ross Sapp reporting, and I quote, said that I got to briefly talk to MJF, asked him about it. He said he was irritated. He was upset. He's going home. And he's got a lot to think about. This match, I guess, was puzzling on a lot of different areas. And obviously, knowing with the MJF story, from what we know, kicking off the show, you could definitely tell his demeanor was off, was not into this match. The body language, as far as I could tell, he checked out. And Wardlow, to his credit, was trying to be as professional as possible, too, but... I think we saw the tie that, you know, like you touched upon, we assume they're friends. And it was a situation of, I got to do business, but I'm worried about my friend. So, like, whatever was going on backstage, both wrestlers had it on their emotions. They had it on the hearts on the sleeves. You could definitely tell. And as it was going through it, you saw MJF, and there's photos. I mean, just you see him just looking around and just he's checked out. And that was the thing that this wasn't a normal MJF match, even though he was doing the heel stuff. And he was going through the motions to, to sell the story for Wardlow. That was the end game. He put him over. He did the thing. He did the right thing. He yes. did business, which was commendable, yes. especially since we didn't realize if he was coming to the venue or not. Exactly. So he went through. He did the right thing. The match was lackluster. It was deflating and really, unfortunately, set the tempo for the night. And I want to throw this out there for anybody who still thinks it's a work. Here's the problem. What does it accomplish? Other than if you were going to be like, oh, they pulled the rent free because of Sasha and Naomi. Yeah. That would be the only thing it would accomplish. But think about it. It didn't advance MJF any further. Didn't sure as fuck didn't help Wardlow. No, it took away from his big night. Took away from, you know, what they've built to mm-hmm. uh, for at least two years. Um, yeah. 
I don't I, I don't really see where this was a good payoff. So it was either shit booking if it was a work, which I don't think it was, or that friction finally came to a head. MJF thought about leaving and just thought better of it probably to put Wardlow over. Honestly, that's it. And now no, he's going home. It. I've done what I've done. I'm going fucking home. And once again, speculation completely because nobody really knows. MJF is obviously not saying anything other than his frustrations were out there. Mm-hmm. And Tony Khan, at the end of the night, when asked again about it, did finally did the smartest thing he's ever done and said no comment. Yeah. Which means to me it's a little too real for him to even jump into. And for AEW, they should not even bring up MJF. Like, I'm hoping for their sake, not a word on Wednesday night. No, oh, I hope not because the problem is going to be if this is real shit, you can't keep poking the bear because obviously – I think it's cause and effect. I really think that media scrum and MJF hearing that went, what the fuck? This is my life. This isn't a fucking storyline. What are you doing? And for all those people out there that are like, well, how could he be unhappy with his creative? We are into year four, three full years of AEW. Mm -hmm. MJF has been the number one heel for that company. Am I wrong? No, absolutely right. He has been one of the marquee guys. When you look at their ratings breakdowns, his segments outrate most people. Mm -hmm. True story. I don't go by live or die by ratings, but it does show who's popular. Yes. He sells a shit ton of merch. He's one of the biggest meet and greet lines, even though he's a heel. And he treats people like a heel, which is even funnier. Mm -hmm. So he is very popular. And I don't think that this was initially a money move. I think it was, hey, I've been here three years. I've won zero titles. I've won zero fucking feuds. What am I doing? And don't give me this, he beat CM Punk in Chicago is 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 his gravy train. And he's only lost a handful of matches. That doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, he he lost a feud to Cody. He and that feud looked identical to the Wardlow feud. It, it's it a looked very image. similar. It looked very similar to the Jericho feud as well. So it's not like it's good creative. I'm sorry for anybody who believes it is, because they've rehashed it now the three times. Mm-hmm. The only one that was a little different was Punk, which was fucking phenomenal. MJF carried the other ones as well. I mean, we had the, we didn't call them the labors of Jericho, but they were. They were. He had to have five matches to get a match with MJF. Of course, the original labors were on Cody. And then let's fast forward to this. Wardlow went through labors, including some of the exact same, i.e. steel cage match with Sean Spears, Mm -hmm. because Cody was a steel cage match with Wardlow and the lashes. They were exactly the same. So he went through exactly the same gimmick. So, I'm not I'm not saying this is what his thought process is, but if I'm him, maybe that's what bothers him. So maybe he went, okay, if you're not going to put a belt on me, if you're not going to have me in the main event, if I'm going to keep jobbing out in these, in these fucking uh, feuds, which is his job, he might have said, hey, give me more money so at least I can pallet it. If you're not going to book me favorably, let me fucking get more money. Of course, Tony, we found out, fired back with, okay, we'll give you a three-year extension and give you the more money. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want an extension. I still want to be a fucking free agent. But since you're jobbing me out, and I'm never, I haven't been a champion, and don't tell me that diamond ring bullshit is a title. No, absolutely not. Maybe, maybe I deserve a little more for all that work I'm doing. And I'm not saying he's right, and I'm not saying he's justified. Just like Sasha and Naomi, it it is still an unprofessional move. Mm -hmm. And he may or may not be justified at the end of the day, just like they may or may not be justified. Unlike them, though, he did the professional thing and he showed up for whatever reason, whether it was Tony Khan broke him off a little piece 
whether it's fucking he just thought better of it and went, you know what? I didn't do that. Maybe Cody said, hey, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. You know, the people here at the people here in New York, if you will, the lingo for WWE back in the day, people in New York, they really like you. I'm talking. You got a fucking foot in the door here. But if you don't show up, that's going to look bad on you. We have to take a look, and Pat touched upon this in the chat, because I'll, Pat's comment is for being a day one guy, he's been featured, which is nice, but if it were me, I want some accolades by now. If I'm MJF, what can I honestly hang my proverbial trophy case? And that is, Two gold rings from this weird thing that they do once a year. Yeah. Two forgettable gold rings. Diamond rings, sorry, I said gold. You've been in some high-profile feuds, but come out the losing end each time. The Cody... You've just hit the reset button with Wardlow. It's identical. So you can't say... And I like Wardlow. That's oh, not a, there's no shots at Wardlow. Wardlow. I feel bad for... I feel the worst for him in this whole situation. Wardlow has grown on me, I will admit. So I do feel tremendously bad for him. But if you take a look with MJF, yeah, he's had one small program for the belt when he did the whole presidential campaign against Moxley. Mm. That was it. And then where was he? On the mid-card again, even lower is a travesty that we keep having all these new free agents take the spots of the people that were there for that press conference way back when in Jacksonville when we were told this is the new alternative and we were going to have the homegrown talent. This is something you can get behind. If you're disenfranchised with what you see on the other networks, we have something different for you. And yet again, it's the same old shit. And to see MJF be frustrated, I can fully understand it as a fan because I'm frustrated because... When I don't want to watch WWE, I tune into AEW. And yet again, I feel like I'm watching the fourth brand because of how much rent-free space is coming across in that writing. And when you don't have a guy like MJF or Hangman Adam Page, the people that you should be pushing because they are your true stars, getting the proper time, it's frustrating as all hell. I, I, I hate to say it. There's a, most of the day one people are, are out. They're either gone because they weren't re-signed mm-hmm. or in the case of some of them, it, it doesn't look like they're happy. We... we Nyla Rose took to Twitter a lot this weekend. Yeah. And said some things that were very akin to what Joey Janela was saying before he was gone. What MJF has been saying. Like, there's been, there's some unhappiness there because they've been replaced. Mm -hmm. And they were promised that they were being pushed and this and that, and they were replaced. And whatever you think of the talent or whether the talent that came in is better is irrelevant. It's just, you know, it's a promoter thing and they, and they feel misused. The body language, Hangman Page, body language after he lost that match. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yep. I don't, I don't, and we've been talking about his, some of his tweets out there. I don't know if he's happy either. It's a weird world we live in. Weird world. We'll talk more about that as we go on because the post-media scrum and everything else. Let's continue on with the show. Uh, and honestly, this was not a wise idea to open the show. I understand that if you brought MJF in and if he got in the door with everything going on, get him in, get him out. I get that logic. However, how it came across was very lackluster. Mm-hmm. Did not set the tone for the show. Uh, Pat says, the only way you're happy in AEW is if you're a day one person is if you have former EVP attached to your resume. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you the points. I mean, you're not wrong. And even there, you didn't have to say it. I, I mean, good luck. I want to four long. One of those former EVPs is now in World Wrestling Entertainment. Yep. And another one of those EVPs has been voicing some frustrations lately as well, who just happens to be out injured mm-hmm. because he's not very happy about the direction of the video game and the women's division, according to sources. Right. And the sources were him on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, you know, just saying. 
with that being said, though, let's move on to the next match. And once again, after opening with something where the crowd was not feeling it, why in the fuck did we decide to go with the Hardys, Jeff and Matt, defeating the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson? 19 minutes and 15 seconds. Once again, 10 minutes too long in a Young Bucks mm-hmm. match. I've been saying it for fucking ever. Also, Young Bucks, same match that they've had for 15 years. Sorry. I'm, and I understand there's fans out there that are going to fucking talk shit about it. Go back and watch their fucking matches. Tell me it's not. Occasionally, they throw something new in there if they're in the ring with FTR or the Lucha Bros. Yeah. But outside of that, it was vintage. Vintage, as Michael Cole would say. Young Bucks. And the Hardys... I, okay, so the internet is confused here, Ken. Let's mm. bring it out there. Okay. The internet is taking it as either Jeff Hardy was intoxicated or I said that it looked like when he took the corner bump that he might have suffered some sort of injury that knocked him for a loop for a while. Either way, he was not looking at the tip-top shape that he should be in, and Matt Hardy can barely fucking move. In my opinion, Jeff looked hurt walking to the ring i don't know what the extent but he looked pained so i'm thinking he is still sore from the train wreck match he had with darby allen and i don't think he at his age he's he's bouncing back as quick as he usually does and then i fully agree with you once he took that corner kick spot he looked concussed in my opinion and he looked out of it you saw he was his left boot came off and he was still trying to run around in it it, or he was untied he was just in very very bad shape and it was a bad look for AEW to not get him out of that ring because this took away from the match and just how are you responsible in my opinion like that is just a travesty that this happened during the match I'm not sure what's going on, but in the preview show, I said I was not looking forward to this match. I still wasn't looking forward to this match. And then, I mean, it was better than what I thought it was going to be. Sure, that being but... said, I thought it was going to be a train wreck, and it wasn't quite a train wreck. Mm-hmm. So that's not saying it was good. Uh, also, with the weird situation of the opening contest, just weird. Yeah. It's weird. And it didn't get much better after that, ladies and gentlemen, because next up, Jade Cargill defended the TBS title against Anna J. Seven minutes, 25 seconds, and still mm-hmm. Jade Cargill, which I'm happy she didn't lose the belt. But, woo, I had reservations on this show last mm-hmm. week. Rewind the tape. Go back and watch. Listen, that when you have two green people in the ring, it's not a wise idea. And you need somebody out there that's going to hide the the negatives of of jade cargill jade cargill is going to be a future star i've said it a million times don't come at me with it that i don't understand oh no i understand she's going to be a great star i've even gone as far as to piss some people off because i said one day she'll main event at wrestlemania against bianca belair mm-hmm. no minced words there however she's still green even though she's learning and she wants to learn everything you can't put her in there and anna jay who may have been wrestling for a few years now has not really improved much. No. And this match was sloppy. It looked fucking horrible. There was a shit ton of botches. This match alone could have been botchamania, period. Yeah. And it was one of the first matches of the night where the sloppiness barred on almost injury. Sloppy is the only way you can describe this match. A lot of the kicks being used in this, especially, were just atrocious. And like you touched upon, they're both still very new, and this match should not have been on a pay-per-view. You could have done this on a different program and definitely had somebody else to face Jade and put Anna Jay in a different match. 
Well, also we should know that this was the first match where there was surprises mm. for Jade Cargill has new representation. Yes. Stokely Hathaway from the Indies, better really known as Malcolm Bivens in, in NXT, which congrats, I like him. He's a good dude. Yes. I think he's very good. Out of nowhere, came down and uh, helped Jade win the match by distracting Anna Jay. Then we had a standoff because they were going to beat Anna Jay down, the baddie section, about mm. to beat Anna Jay down. And then Chris Statlander hits the ring. And then it's still three on two. They're still going to beat him down. But then the lights go down. And the screen comes on the screen. And music hits. And we get the fallen goddess Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon, in all elite wrestling to come down and stare down Jade Cargill, which the funny part of that is, like, the difference in size. Yeah. Like, like Ember Moon is here, and Jade is, like, up here somewhere. It is. It, it was ridiculous to look at. Although... That doesn't mean anything about talent because Ember Moon is super, er, sorry Athena is super talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the additions of Stokely Hathaway and Ember Moon and this being the surprise section? You know, the what? first of two surprise sections. I, I love both additions. Stokely is going to do wonders. The only thing that was a little confusing is it sounds like Jade is still going to have uh, Smart Mark Sterling with her as well with Stokely and the baddie section. So it just seems like there's a lot of people in that entourage. Yeah, it's getting a little large. Yeah, so I thought that they'll part ways with Sterling and let Stokely uh, become Jade's manager, which would be perfect. So wait to see of that, but Stokely being there helps out tremendously in a lot of different areas. A fantastic talker, probably the best one in the business. Uh, and then for Athena, this is a great addition for the women's division, and let's see where we go from here. Yeah. Next up, we finally had what I thought was one of the best matches of the night, and finally a good match. In my opinion, on the card, we had a six-man tag team match. House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black defeated Death Triangle, Pac, Penta Oscura, and Ray Phoenix. 15 minutes and 35 seconds. And by the way, it's over finally. The national question is finally over. Julia Hart has finally shown her true colors as the way that this match ended. Lights go out. Lights come back on. It's Julia Hart in the ring. Spits the mist in Pac's face, which allows Malachi Black to hit him with the Black Mass, whatever you want to call it nowadays, Fade to Black, whatever you want to call it. They don't have a real proper name for it. However, he hits it. One, two, three. House of Black wins. But I would be remiss. This match was actually super good. Mm -hmm. No, this match should have opened. Crowd would have been all buzzing going into the rest of the card. This match, you gave the everybody in the ring some time to work. I was here for Phoenix versus Buddy Matthews. Give that to me in a best of seven series. I'm there all day. Great outing. And, yeah, I mean, the national crisis is over concerning where Julia Hart's loyalty lies. And now her with the House of Black, I think that's going to be a great move for them moving forward. Not sure what's going to go on with the Varsity Blondes. I think at that stage you got to break up Garrison and Pillman. But I'm here for it. Well, next up, we had the first of the two Owen Hart Foundation uh, tournaments, finals, and it was the men's one up first, and they telegraphed the shit out of this. Yeah. First of all, both of the participants who won were wearing pink and black. Mm-hmm. Also, both the participants who won uh, both matches are in a couple together. Yeah. And they further did this because they awarded the belts together. Yeah. So you knew after the first match who was winning the second match. If you didn't already know anyways, but mm-hmm. let's talk about it because I really enjoyed this first match and it was the men's final Adam Cole baby 
defeats Samoa Joe, 12 minutes, 30 seconds. They had a pretty classic ROH-style kind of match. Yeah, this was textbook ROH. Not mad about this one bit. Cole wins. Joe, I, the only thing that was surprising, though, Cole had a run-in by Bobby Fish. I was expecting the Jay Lethal ROH faction to be the ones to run in and cost Joe the match. They were just trying to prove that Bobby Fish wasn't injured. Yes. So, that being said, I mean, the outcome, not super shocked at, but I was surprised at the interference. Agreed. And then, of course, next up, we had the Owen Hart uh, women's final. And that saw Dr. Britt Baker. DMD. Defeat Ruby Soho in 13 minutes and 20 seconds. And, of course, the, the biggest part of note of this is Rancid played Ruby Soho Hell to the ring. Yes. It was pretty awesome. I'll give credit to that. But, dude, at the end of the day, Ruby Soho needed this fucking victory. They have not done shit with Ruby Soho. I don't care what anybody tries to convince me of. She has lost every big opportunity. Even the fucking commentators during this match said, you know, she just can't win the big ones. And then she does. She loses again. And uh, let's be honest. We all know that uh, Tony Khan's putting over Brett. Mm-hmm. Uh, we knew because she came out in pink and black. Uh, pink, black, and white, sorry. And Adam Cole had won. He was in pink, black, and white. They're a couple. They decided to do the fucking thing together. You knew it was happening. I even predicted, hey, at this pace, Adam Cole should propose to her. Yeah. It's the perfect time for it. Why not? Let's go. So might as well. We're, we're blowing a lot of time. Let's fucking do it. Uh, the match itself, though, was sloppy. Uh, and Ruby Soho, and I love you, Ruby, put on the worst sharpshooter in the history of oh. the fucking business. The worst sharpshooter. Yeah. To the point that I, I can't remember who said it, but I have to agree with them. Think about it. She used the, oh, it was Dark Sheik, actually. You put the Scorpion Deathlock on somebody, and you have to go to the back and look Sting in the eyes after that horrible performance. Yeah. <laughs> Man. I mean, I, I love Ruby. Mm-hmm. She's normally amazing. This match got sloppy. Of course, it also ended with a weird fucking roll-up. And then a handshake, kind of. Yeah, this just fell flat. And it, it's surprising. I love Ruby. I think she's fantastic. But not the best outing with her and Baker. Just a lot of miscues. And the sharpshooter, oh, it's tough. And and for Ruby, like you touched upon, she needed this win. They are booking her like they do Eddie Kingston. And that is not a slight to Eddie by any stretch of the imagination. But at this stage, Ruby has got to get some wins. And this would have been a prime opportunity for her. Absolutely. So the fact they dropped the ball yet again with her, it's unacceptable. They got to get the things back on track. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this just was a bad call. All right. This led to the presentation of the Owen Hart. Uh, they got belts. Mm-hmm which are not going to be defended. They're kind of like trophies. And there was a trophy, a cup, that they get their name etched in, but nobody takes it home. Yeah. I, I'm going to play a warning. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out, man. So, Dr. Martha Hart delivers a speech. Mm-hmm. It sounded like an Oscars speech. Yeah. Very little about Owen, by the way, which was weird. Mm -hmm. More about her hat and thanking people. I don't know what the fuck she was talking about. I understand some people might think this is not disrespectful because she didn't really say much about Owen. I mean, she talked about wearing a funny hat next year. That everybody should be in a funny hat. Because I guess they're doing this as a yearly thing. Yeah, that's what it was kind of alluded to, yes. It was like, 
I, I I will say this, and before I turn it over to you, and I like I said, no disrespect. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I love the late great Owen Hart. Sure. I just didn't understand this place, and it was like it was one of those like it was like a WWE Hall of Fame speech that went on too long, mm-hmm. and nobody yanked her, and she was even danced to the back, which is weird. There was a lot of weird shit going on with all of this, and I know that I'm not the only one because we saw a lot of messages on the internet, including from other AEW fans like us, that was like, "What the fuck is happening here?" I will point it this way before I turn it over to you for your thoughts on it by saying I made a comment to the live group there that I will never again claim about uh, complain about Dana Warrior during the Hall of Fame. I don't still like her scumbag husband. I know it's not good to speak of the dead, but check out the internet. You can find out why he wasn't a very likable person. Mm-hmm. However, I will never complain because she speaks very eloquently and whew, we did not get that on this night i don't know maybe mark and i'm i'm not once again i don't know and i'm not trying to be a dick maybe she partook in some drink or something before maybe she's nervous i don't know how she is as a public speaker which does happen sometimes the people take a little couple shots to loosen up that might have explained it but it, it really came out as incoherent there really wasn't a lot about owen in there which i thought was unique because it was named for him a lot of thank yous and then she went rambled on about her funny hat for a while just throwing it out there. Lost and confused. That's the easiest way I can describe it because I thought, what is really going on here? And I thought it was an odd time to stop the show midway through, especially on a 13-match card, to have a... They ran to almost one Eastern. Yes. To have an acceptance speech without really explaining what was going on. And like you said, she might not be the best public speaker, and, and that's fine. But it just seemed like... I'm trying anyway to find a defender. Yeah. It, it, it just it was just so confusing to me watching at home going, okay, what are we doing here? Because they came out and they had the belts covered up, and then they also had a cup. So they also were trying to, like, it just seemed like they were just trying to jumble too much into one segment that just didn't have any flow to it instead of just presenting and here you go. And then it just, it. in my point, this is where the show just really let the air out of the room. It was wild. Yeah. And once again, it shouldn't have been that way, in my opinion. Uh, also, it was very noticeable that she was like, the Adam Cole was an afterthought on that stage. Yes. It was really weird. I, I don't know. It was a weird vibe. We're not the only ones. I'm sure if you were on Twitter, and probably a lot of you at home probably went, eh, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. It was, t- it was strange. It was strange. It was worse than hearing Tony Khan speak. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But you know what? We didn't get any reprieve because next up was the six-person tag match. Men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky take it and with Paige Van Zant in her debut, her official debut, defeated Frankie Kazarian, Sammy Guevara, and Ty Conti in 12 minutes and 30 fucking seconds. I have never wanted picture-in-picture worse on a pay-per-view than I did right then during this match. If the sales got let out from kind of a sloppy match into this speaking segment that went on for about 10 minutes too long, into now this match where... Woo! Yeah. Woof. Paige Van Zandt's not ready. No. Ty Conti still has not improved. I'm sorry. I know people think she has. Not so much. 
And boy, the go away heat there. The crowd was mostly quiet, except for when they would make out and their crowd was like, this shit again. Yeah. Like it wasn't like, and I'm sorry, go away heat is not good heat. It's not heat is heat is heat. When people are just like, really this shit again? Yeah, you know something's wrong. Frankie Kazarian got a huge pop. Yeah. When he fucking told him to go fuck off. This is not a good sign if the crowd is turning on your quote-unquote faces and you're getting the go-away heat because this match just was lackluster to put mildly. And and I hate saying this because I'm a huge Ethan Page fan. I think Scorpio Sky is fantastic. Frankie is amazing. But everybody else in this match, it just kind of seemed like we're doing their own things. There wasn't any rhythm to the match. It just kind of seemed very... I'm trying to find another word for sloppy, but... Yes, it's sloppy. But, yeah, because I don't want to keep saying it, but that's what it was. And it just it took away so much from the, the crowd that they tuned out. They literally checked out from this time on. Next up, we had Kyle O'Reilly defeat Darby Allen nine minutes and 45 seconds for reasons. Why was this match even on the card? By the way, during this match, uh, Darby did a good job of skidding off the top of his head on a suicide dive. Thankfully, he wasn't injured. Yeah. And also, Jesus. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly seems super stiff in this match. I don't know if there's something whatever or if, if, if fucking Darby was like lay in. I don't know. But he almost knocked his teeth out with a fucking knee in the beginning of the match. I think... And he also sweeped his leg out pretty hard twice. Yeah, I think he was working stiff. I think what they were trying to do is get a reaction out of the crowd some way, somehow, because of how when they came in, there was no vibe in the crowd. Like, everybody seemed to have, like, mentally checked out at this point. And I think that they were just going in there saying, okay, let's work a stiff match. Let's see if we can get, like, a <gasps> moment. I don't think it was the best game plan, in my opinion. I think instead of doing this match, what they should have done, and I would have been perfectly fine with this, have FTR versus Red Dragon versus Darby and fill-in partner since Sting is injured. Could have done that, or we could have just cut the match because we had 13 fucking matches on this Well, card. yeah, that goes without saying. It's an overdrawn fucking card. We'll talk about that more at the end. Yes. But still, we could have just cut a match. Didn't have to happen. Next up was the AEW's women's title match. Your champion, Thunder Rosa, defending against Serena Deeb. Match got 16 minutes and 55 seconds. At the end of the day, Thunder Rosa is still your AEW women's world champion. Uh, this match was a phenomenal technical match. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this. It's up there for match of the night easily. Uh, I understand if you don't like technical wrestling, you probably wouldn't have liked this match. But they wrestled a very solid technical match. Yes. The biggest problem was the crowd was fucking dead yeah and it was not to the fault of either of these ladies no these this is my match of the night i thought it delivered on a very technical sound match i mean sure a couple misses here and there but not enough to take anything away from the story they were telling the saddest thing is the crowd had been just completely wiped away like you take a look at when the crowd turned in this card and it's from the award presentation onward there was nothing to give them a spark in this one a lot of fans at this point, it was already getting late in the night. We've already had four hours of wrestling at this point. You needed something to get the spark back in them. Unfortunately, this match is for people that are into technical wrestling. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with what they did in this match. I thought they told a great story. But at this point, they just unfortunately went up against a crowd that had checked out. Absolutely. By the way, this match ended shortly after 11 p.m. Eastern Standard yeah. Time. 
Just so you know where we are in the card. Yeah. And there's still three matches. <laughs> Next up, by the way, this did give the crowd a little bit of a spark. I will be of this. This was probably the most entertaining thing on the card. Can't call it a match. It was a fucking brawl. Yeah. But it was entertaining enough that I think the crowd came a little bit alive for it. I'll give credit to it. It was very entertaining. And that was the Jericho Appreciation Society of Angelo Parker, Chris Jericho, Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, and Matt Menard defeated, defeated the Blackpool Combat Club of Brian Danielson and John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Ortiz, and Santana by referee's decision, 22 minutes, 45 seconds, making it the second longest match of the night. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't really a match. I did enjoy the entertainment value of this. I did not like the finish. We'll talk about that in a second, I guarantee you. But most notably, they played Wild Thing on loop for the first, like, eight minutes of this match. Mm -hmm. And honestly, not mad about it. I also like how they finally cut it off because Jericho went to the production table and ripped the fucking computer out. Yeah. It was really cool. I don't think that that's really... I think that that was a good production take. I'm pretty sure he didn't work the wires out because it probably fucking sucked. But it was cool that they cut the music and made it look like that's what he did there. I enjoyed it. With that also being said, my image of the night came from there as a bloody Eddie Kingston came to the ring with a full uh, canister yep. of gasoline and he dumped it all over Brian Danielson and, and Chris Jericho. God bless the man. It was going to light Chris Jericho on fire until uh, him and Daniel Brian Danielson got into a fist fight. Yeah. Probably because he dumped some of the gasoline on him too. God bless the Mad King. <laughs> but anyways, the match was super entertaining. How would you feel about the match? I did not like the finish, which saw Brian Danielson in the weakest walls of Jericho of all time. Or Lion Tamer. It wasn't the Lion Tamer because he didn't have the fucking... Pet, the, the the foot back so it was a lot walls of jericho yeah there's a difference and then jake hager was choking him with the rope that they unattached AEW's favorite boy band strikes again they were dressed like a boy band oh my god all white leather pants seriously they they gotta stop coming out to judas just come out the back street already it's fine just get the tony can get the rights make it happen it'll be fine uh, this match was entertaining. I, Justin Roberts, uh, uh, pre-show uh, or pre-match. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some shit going down here. That paraphrase. was the best line ever. Yeah. Oh, this is, there's some shit going to happen. Yeah. yeah. And this match delivered on what it was supposed to be. It was supposed no, to be, I think he said shit's about to hit the fan. Shit's about, that's to, hit what it was. Fan, shit's yeah. about to hit the fan. But perfect way to describe it because that's what all this was going to do. And, and I would say they went all over the arena. They, to credit, they woke the fucking audience up. Yeah, they, which was smart because they went into the crowd. So that kind of gives that heightened anticipation, like, what are they doing? What's happening next? Um, but overall, I mean, I thought after Eddie Kingston uh, went completely, Eddie Kingston came in ready to light some people on fire. I think the the ending just really was so like, what are we doing here? Because it just seems that we've had the BCC and Team Kingston working so cohesively that now the way I took it is we're going to set up for BCC versus Team Kingston for reasons. And it's like, okay, then where are we going from here with Jericho and company? That's the only thing that really kind of felt weird about that ending because you see the boy bands win, and now it's like, okay, next so let's continue on uh at this point juncture it's about 11 45 11 50 eastern 11 standard 50. time uh also now they're gonna have to put the ring back together because the top rope is taken off and everything else so next up we have two matches left mm -hmm. 
for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. The Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus with Christian Cage in their corner. Defeated Swerve in Our Glory, Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and Team Taz, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks. 17 minutes, 15 seconds. So, and still, Jurassic Express. 17 minutes, which put this match over midnight. Yeah. One, they dropped the ball, not moving the belt off Jurassic Express. They had a prime opportunity to really give some energy to that tag team division by giving it to Swerve and Lee or even Hobbs and Ricky Starks. But this was just kind of going through the motions. At this late in the night, the crowd was into it, but not enough to carry that energy through. No, it was it was definitely – there was some cool stuff that did happen in this match. There were some moments where the crowd went ooh and ah, so that was nice. The crowd was there, but I just think it was – I don't know. I think everybody thought we were going to get a title change, and when it didn't happen, everybody's kind of like, eh. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, that in any disrespect to Jurassic Express. No. Just saying that the crowd kind of was like, they gave us this really good ending. There was a really cool crescendo moment where we got to his, see a few finishers and a few backstabbing moments where you would think that it was going to happen. They did a little too many false finishes. So yeah. when when Jurassic Express won, people were just like, really? Yeah. But I, I digress. Still champions. And now it is... About 12.15 in the morning, technically, mm-hmm. on the East Coast. On the East Coast. That's where we're at, so that's why I'm bringing it up. Yep. And we have the main event of the evening for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Your champion, Hangman Adam Page, defending against CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And this match got 25 minutes and 40 seconds. That's why the event didn't end until right around 12.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the end of the day, and new All Elite Wrestling World's Heavyweight Champion CM Punk to the surprise of fucking no one. Yeah. And this match. Wow. I know there's some people who are talking about how great this match was. I am. I, I was one of those times where I had to check myself and go, did we watch the same fucking match? Yeah. CM Punk went for a... He tried to do the buckshot lariat twice and both times missed the landing. Yeah. And it wasn't, oh, he was acting like he hurt his leg because he he no-sold it after. He just couldn't land it. Like, every time he would land, he would buckle and go down or fall over. Yeah. And it wasn't a knee injury. And even at the end, fucking Hangman missed the fucking buckshot at the end. Yeah. Then, not once, but twice. One was more egregious than the other, but twice... CM Punk didn't kick the fuck out when he was supposed to, and the referee had to stop his hand on the three count with no kick out. Yeah. Go back and fucking watch it. The one time was way worse. The first time was worse. The first time, like, literally, the referee's hand came down, he pulled it back up a little bit, (laughs) and then Punk kicked out. It should have been a three count. This whole match was a mess. I'm sorry. This should have been a lot better. And whether it's Punk fighting Father Time and, and just being off a half a second that to pull off the buckshot and miss as terribly as he did. And, I mean, and, and I mean, kudos to him. He, he went through it and tried no selling it. But at that stage, you did it at least twice. You tried doing another move, I know, somewhere in there and, and missed on that. Hangman was missing moves. But you could also tell by Hangman's demeanor, he wasn't into this match. Oh, he knew he was going to lose, and I don't think he liked it. No, I don't think he liked it either, and I think that this really gave fans at home a telling point of where we're going with AEW in year four. And I think for somebody that 
still has that belief that they're the new alternative. And, you know, Hangman, who had the greatest story written, never told in pro wrestling, the long-term booking, this was insulting that his feud has been pretty much an afterthought to just stand in the shadow of CM Punk. And you hear about in the pro, in you know the press conferences beforehand, you hear in interviews, Punk is getting put so over as the savior of AEW. Meanwhile, Hangman has been there since day one, has gone through every single storyline you've had. You highlight the time with Omega, and then you're trying to sell his body of work since then. So we're talking full gear to now. That's only been a handful of months when everybody else has had a very longer title reign. It's insulting to think that you're trying to you know, paint this picture that Punk is the Punk of old. Punk is just old. And it, he can still go in the ring, but he is wrestling at a different pace. So you're not getting the same old CM Punk, best in the world, you know, pipe bomb and all that. You have a new, wiser version of Punk, for better or for worse. And this is going to be the flagship guy of your company moving forward. You're going to have a lot of mixed reactions. I'm sorry. Padawan J says, to quote Killmonger, is this your king? Absolutely. Yeah. You're not wrong. Uh, so there's 12 matches on the main card. 13 if you caught the pre-card. Mm-hmm. It went from 7 p.m. to almost 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so six, almost six full hours Yeah, if you count the pre-show. That was an overbooked fucking show, and there was a lot of fans of AEW even. Mm-hmm. They were like, this show is, and I mean good fans of AEW. We're talking like, Kool-Aiders. Yeah, we're talking hardcore fans who even reached out to us, and I'm not going to need it out anybody. Don't worry, because yeah, sure, I don't want to get you guys any hate because God knows that that shit does happen. But they were like, hey, this is an overbooked card. I don't know. This is the first one I'm going to sit out. Yeah. Way too many matches. The reason we were given by Tony Khan was because the NBA Finals, or, or sorry, Eastern Conference Finals, mm-hmm. between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat, was Game 7 was slated to go down on Sunday, and it did. Congratulations yeah. to the Celtics, who defeated the Heat, yeah. to move on to the NBA Finals to take on the Golden State Warriors. Good luck with that, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. But that was the reason. We didn't want to compete with that. Now, I got to throw this out there. I know some people defended it. I know some people haven't. I call fucking bullshit. You want to know why I call bullshit? Who the fuck pays for a $50 pay-per-view and then goes, you know what, though? I need to watch the fucking Heat Celtics game. Talk to them. Nobody. 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 The people who were going to tune into the fucking Celtics Heat game weren't watching the pay-per-view. And the people who were watching the pay-per-view and spent $50, maybe if they had a second TV or they were watching on their phone, they had both on, Mm -hmm. if that. But there was no way in hell. And by the way, this is not TV, Tony. You don't get ratings for the fucking main event by not sending the main event out until after. Yeah. There's no rating. There's no breakdown on pay-per-view of which segment did the fucking best. It's how many buys there are. So you literally drained the live audience for six plus hours. Like if you count coming into the building, I would assume they opened doors at least an hour before. Mm-hmm. So that live audience was there for seven fucking hours if you were there at door open. Not to mention if you were there before waiting to get in. Yeah. But we'll say seven hours, which is fair. And you wonder why part of that crowd fucking left. And it wasn't because necessarily shit was bad, because I got to be honest, the last three matches were exciting enough that it woke the crowd back up because Mm -hmm. it might have not been a match, but that fucking anarchy in the arena, give it his credit, was entertaining as hell. Yeah. And that woke the crowd up. Then the tag match actually 
enough spots where the, the crowd kept going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, yeah. ooh, ah. So it was good. And then the main event, people were interested in seeing. That is a problem, Tony. Who gives a shit? As a matter of fact, to quote somebody, and once again, I won't give their name out. There was a guy who commented on our good friend Poyo Del Mar. Comment by saying, yeah, I watched the game. I wasn't going to get the pay-per-view because I watched the game. I was like, oh, shit. The pay-per-view's still on. I'll just fucking steal that shit. He was like, I watched five minutes and turned it off, and he put two trash can emojis. Listen, you can't make the excuse about the NBA. If you, if anybody buys a pay-per-view, it is one rating, one buy rate. doesn't matter how long you watch. The money has already been transferred. To try selling, overbooking a card, which we were still adding matches as of Friday night on Rampage. Yep. This is when Kyle O'Reilly and Darby Allen got added. This is when the men of the year and Paige Van Zandt versus the other three got added. And they added to Buffer allegedly because of Game 7. Yes. That is one of the weakest excuses you can make. Why the hell are you caring about that? You're not on TNT and you're not on TBS that night. There is no sports you're going up against. And if you are that worried about other sports going on during your shows, really? Like, are you understanding this whole concept of ratings and and programming? I'm sorry. Like, you can't make that excuse to me as a reason to give more people time on the show. Hell, if you wanted to do it, why didn't you just put them on the pre-show, which had one match? You had a half hour before that was all video vignettes for reasons. You could have put that six man tag or six person tag on there and it would have been fine. You could have put three matches on the pre show and you've been yeah. fine. Yeah. It would have been it would have been you might have even gotten some more buys from people who were like, Oh, I can watch this for free. Man, I'm I'm fucking tuned in. I'm locked in. Yeah. Because the only people that were tuned in for the pre show is nothing against Hook Hook or Dan Housen are people that already know them. They're not watching. They're not going to go, wow, this looked really interesting. I think I'm going to buy the show. Your fan base already knows who they are. But if you gave them an hour solid of wrestling action, you probably would have had some more people buy into the show. Or, to go back to your original point, book Red Dragon versus FTR and put it on the pre-show to get people excited for the fucking show. And people know who Red Dragon is. People know who FTR are. Yeah, why is it? perfect. And FTR, not on the show. Fucking seven hours or fucking six hours of programming. Not on the show? No, they they had enough time to come out at the end and take photos with CM Punk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that happened at the end of the show. That went off when they stopped airing. They came out, and they have a big photo op. I have a photo op uh, right now on, on the ODPH TikTok. I put in the slideshow I made for the event. So why? what the hell are we doing here that you think that this card was needing more matches to justify a basketball game? I'm sorry. Padawan J says, you guys know how much I watch AEW. I was legitimately considering coming to watch this show, but the number of matches on it, plus the fact I worked at 7 a.m. on Monday, turned me away. Dude, if I had to be up at 7 a.m. for work, if I didn't have the day off, mm-hmm. I would have probably gone home like our good friend Lincoln. Yeah. Throwing him under the bus, but he went home. Probably the smartest person in that room. Yes. With that being said, though, we still had more. Because afterwards on YouTube, Tony Khan decided to give us all of everybody the media scrum. Mm-hmm. And once again, to his credit, I did say the one smart thing, and I'm not going to pound on different issues. I am going to say something overall, though. But the smartest thing he did there was the no comment on the MJF. Yes. However, after that, we heard some of the cheerleaders. And by bad takes, by the way. And if you're listening to this and this was your take, I'm sorry it's a bad take. 
And Sean Ross Sapp definitely got fucking pounded for this take. Mm-hmm. I'll name him by name, and it's not because I dislike him. I'm just saying, he's the biggest name that did this, and there was other people who also did it. You know who you are. You can still agree to disagree or just admit to you're wrong. I wish WWE would be more enthusiastic. Nick Khan and Vince McMahon should be as passionate as Tony Khan is. No, 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 no. First of all, there's a professional way to do things. Yes. And then there's, I'm fucking coked out and rambling on. And CM Punk was there at the biggest pay-per-views and, and the houses. And, and CM Punk is not is not a failure, like Bischoff said. Um, um, he is, he's drawn more money uh, than anybody in AEW history. And blah, 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 blah. With no evidence behind that, by the way. Mm. He's drawing more money for his own pocket because the pro wrestling tease deal that AEW has, they don't get any of that fucking money. It goes out to the wrestlers, so that's hilarious. Tell us another one, fucking Tony, because you're such a great businessman. No, there's a difference between fucking passion. Passion and, and professionalism. You can be passionate and professional. I'll prove the point. When Triple H was running NXT, he used to do media scrums. Yes. We got to see those media scrums. He was passionate, but he was professional. Tony Khan's out here. Oh my god! And then and then and then this happened. Oh my god! Uh, we 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 could have gone to the hour Broadway. You know that hasn't been televised in a long time on TV, despite the fact that HBK and John Cena did it. But whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest matches of all time, Monday Night Raw history. Facts. Oh no, then. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Pat says, "Who let Tony Khan into Dragon Master Games?" I don't know. <laughs> It, 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 all you have to really do is make a child like I don't think the guy's hip here dude my wife never knew what Tony Khan looked like treacherous you you were Pat I can't remember who sent the fucking little clip of him in the CM Punk thing yeah I did my wife thought it was a fucking podcaster and then I had to tell her no that's Tony Khan she was like so the dude with frizzed up hair flustered looking coked out of his fu- this is me without telling her looking coked out of his mind and sounds like he hasn't hit puberty is the guy running this company Yep. To the credit, most people, and especially AEW fans, were like, this is what we need to get rid of. AEW's not going to go out of business unless Tony drives them out of business. Can you imagine being in a meeting if you're a Warner Brothers executive with fucking Tony Khan? I'm telling you, Wednesday is going to be an interesting day. And the fallout from that is going to be something to keep an eye on for... And sorry to the Kool-Aiders who were like, oh, you're taking shots at Tony, why? Why would you do that? Why would I do it? Because... Listen, man, act like there's an old saying, mm-hmm. act like you've been there before. Facts. I don't know if you guys at home played fucking sports or whatever, but you always, we were always told, you know what? You go out there, you put on a fucking, your best performance, win, lose, or draw. And when it's all over and done, you don't talk shit. You, you, you answer, you can answer questions. You know, if you had to do some kind of question answering stuff, but you go out there and you act like, even, especially if you won, this is their biggest payday ever. Mm-hmm. This is their first million dollar gate. Although from pictures, there was empty seats. Yeah. And then during the uh, the brawl, we got to see a whole section Ooh, that was padded off. Yeah. So it was sold out, maybe sold out from the tickets they that they were releasing. But it still was a million-dollar house. So it was their biggest house today. So I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying that there was definitely blacked-out areas because we saw it during the brawl. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I digress. Not That's not a big deal. Still a million. It's your biggest house you've ever drawn. And word is out. I don't know where we're at pay-per-view-wise. We won't know until next week for pay-per-view. Right. And when we don't know for BR Live and fight for a little while. No, sorry. We'll know BR Live and fight next week. We won't know pay-per-view numbers for a couple months. For a couple, yeah, at least a couple months. So, with that being said, this could be your highest grossing one. I don't know. We don't know. But we know it's your highest grossing gate. So, instead of going out there, act like you've been there before. Act like, hey, you should have came out and said this. 
Listen, we just had the best draw we've ever had. We made the most money in a single event we ever had. Fucking awesome. Did you hear the crowd for CM Punk winning? Did you hear the crowd? Mind you, hide the negatives. Did you hear the crowd during that anarchy in the mm. arena? Huh? Listen, man, they were into it, right? Right? They were into it. Now I'm going to open it up to some questions. We're going to bring in some talent. Let the talent talk. Now, the one other takeaway, CM Punk is there after winning the AEW World title, and Tony Khan just hijacks his whole thing. Yeah. And CM Punk just sounds like his own hype man. He's like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm, yeah. <laughs> the, the biggest problem I had with this, it, you, you agree, I fully agree with it, was Tony. Because he sounded like the overzealous fan that finally got to sit and hang out with his hero. Because the way he went in defending CM Punk and Bischoff's comments, allegedly there, was like, you need to act like the owner of the company, not the overzealous fanboy that is now you know, sitting at the cool kid's table because that's how it came across sitting there all frantic and jumping and being all that's there's a fine line between being passionate and just being unprofessional. And especially for a company that has a very big week ahead of them, the optics during this interview was scary. And if you don't believe it's a big week using Tony's own words, this is make or break for AEW. So AEW fans, I ask you, I deplore, deplore you that you make sure you tune in this Wednesday because it is very important. Yeah. The reason we know it is very important is because he specifically used the words make or break. Take that for what it's worth. Don't know. Don't know what else is happening. Once again, maybe we would know more if he wasn't so up in the air and I'm huh. Like, I'm sorry, man. I don't need that from a professional. I, I, if I see, if I ever saw, if I ever heard Vince McMahon, whatever, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Mind you, there's an excitement that comes from running a wrestling show. I've been there. I've sat at the gorilla table. I've watched, I've heard the crowd <laughs> pop when I wanted them to pop. And, and you know what usually happens? Fist pumps, high fives at the table. Fuck it. We got them. Yeah. We fucking got them. But that's behind the curtain. If you asked me after the show how the show went, I'd be like, you know what? Very happy with the show. Great performances by all the performers on the show. Can't wait for the next one. Mm -hmm. Tune in on fucking Dynamite, baby, because we're rolling through. See, I understand I swore, so that's not too professional, but I wouldn't swear if I was in a professional setting. Outside of that, that's, that's excitement while being professional. Yeah, man, tonight was great. New champion. Crowd's excited. New champion, baby. Woo! You could even throw that in there. That's not unprofessional. No, that would have been fine. But, but you know what? You know what you need to see? This week on Dynamite. Because you know what? You're going to see the new, brand new AEW World Champion. Hey, maybe the former champion's got something to say. You know, Forbidden Doors around the corner in June. United Center, baby. Mm -hmm. Can't wait for it. Who's who's ready? Who out there? Who's asking these? All you reporters, you know you're excited. You're wrestling fans. That's why you're in the room. You excited for Forbidden Door? Absolutely you are. Guess what? We're going to find out more about that forbidden door on Wednesday. Make sure you're fucking paying attention, folks. Yeah. Lock in. Lock in. This is the biggest episode of Dynamite in the history of this company. That's what he should have done. And you could have said it just how I said it. That's excited, right? That's but fine. But it's still professional. With the exception of, like, some dropping some F-bombs. And even then, I would fucking forgive that because it's a press conference. It's a press conference, but to come across there, like we say, and they have an extremely important dynamite coming up. This is not the optics you want going into it because it just seemed like you're the, you're overzealous 
instead of professional is not going to do any favors, especially when you're meeting the new owners of the television company that and they you're on. can and they can decide your fate. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I cannot understate this. Warner Brothers Discovery can decide their fate whether they think they're winning or not. Yeah. And if you come into a meeting with them, and I hope he doesn't, and you're all, oh, come on, uh, they're going to be like, what the fuck is this guy? Yeah, they'll be like, we're tuning out. You know, they're used to going to meetings with guys like Nick Khan mm -hmm. and, and Vince McMahon where you get the handshake and they give you their proposition. And I'm sure there's some passion. I'm sure when Nick Khan goes into a meeting with a big fucking advertiser or whatever, he gives them the impassioned WWE speech about, hey, we're number one in sports entertainment. Go ahead and look. Look at our numbers. They don't lie. We did over a billion dollars in, 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 in profits last year. I'm sure he speaks just like that. And that is exciting. That's yeah. putting excitement into your voice. But I guarantee he doesn't go in there and go, oh, you need to sell your advertising to us because we need the money, Daddy. Oh, my God. Uh, somehow I got to pay CM Punk. Somehow. Daddy, he's not going to stay with us. Oh, man. Does anybody have more coke? I need a bump. Need a bump? And, dude, we've made that joke for a long time, and I'm not saying somebody stole it, but I saw a lot of coke jokes. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of cocaine as a hell of a drug. I've seen a lot of them gifts going around talking about Tony Khan coming into this event and then afterwards as well. So, And that was from people with an all elite in their fucking names. So they are the fan base. Fan base is starting to fall out of love with Tony Khan. And, uh, you know, the fucking weird part about that is, like I said, if you look at, like, the, the, the news journos, uh, SRS, some other podcast friends of ours, when they put out, oh, man, it's like nice to see the passion. Man, the fans were like, are you, what are you fucking talking about? Exactly. I could read verbatim some of them. I was surprised. Usually, usually, we call them the Kool-Aiders for a reason because they usually are good about their defending the company. These guys, it was, it was all like, all right, what are you talking about? He needs to be professional. This is horrible. Fucking horrible. Not to mention, everybody knows that, everybody by now, most people know that whatever happened with MJF wasn't a fucking work and that there's something going on. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why Nyla, Nyla, uh, Nyla, uh, uh, <laughs> Nyla. Wow. yes, thank you, is, is bitching on the internet. There's a reason why Hangman Page has put out some weird fucking tweets coming into the event, and after that match, looked like he was not happy to be there. There's some things going on backstage, baby, and they need to address them, and they can't address them by trying to hype everybody up. You need to address them professionally because we're three years in. The new car smell is gone, folks. Mm. And I think that we're starting to see, unfortunately, Tony Khan has had a lot of passes, but I think we're starting to see the bloom come off that rose. And last night, I saw more criticisms by people whose Twitter names had all elite in them than I ever had before. And I believe me, they're not bots because normally I see those same mm -hmm. people singing the goddamn praises. And I was really weirded out by seeing that. And I know some of our friends who do listen to this show and do podcasts and stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to get you in trouble. Some of them were that, and it was weird because usually they'll go to the hill, and I, I that's fine. I always say love what you love, right? Yeah. As long as you're not toxic, and none of these people are usually toxic, but they usually go to bat. And last night, a lot of them were saying this show was too long, the show was overbooked, the show was dull, and then they were like, holy shit, calm it down, Tony, because this is fucking bad looks. This is not the way you want to go into... And I believe he said make or break, but he has alluded to that this is the most Oh, that important. was how it was reported. I saw quotes from it, and yeah. that was what the audio file said. Make or yeah. break. It was his exact words. It's a make or break night for AEW. I don't know what it means. I just know he said make or break. Yeah, because this is going to be a very important week to go into and coming off a very disappointing pay-per-view and even more questionable media scrum, which 
That shouldn't be the case. You should be celebrating the new year of AEW, now going into year four. There's a lot of wind to be showing off here. Instead, it's still looking like you're having the rent-free issues continuing to go on. Instead of growing in the company, it just seems like you just took two steps back. All right, with that being said, that was an extended version. Of course, there was a lot of all elite wrestling news. There was a lot of reviews. Once again, I really was not a big fan of the show. Uh, I, I know that we've settled somewhere between a C- minus and a D uh, on this show. I don't know. Has anything changed here? I'm still at a D+. Plus. D+. Plus. I'm, I'm at the D level as well. Uh, there was a few matches that were great. Other than that, there was a lot of sloppiness. I'm surprised more people didn't get injured because there was a lot of real questionable shit that went on. With that being said, once again, if you had a different opinion, that is absolutely fine. Love what you love. Like I said, as all we ask for is to be respectful to others and their thoughts. Because once again, you can't call me a WWE show because I watch zero hours of mm-hmm. WWE programming. Zero hours. Meanwhile, I watch Dynamite each and every week and I keep my eyes on the pulse. And I sat through six hours of that pay-per-view, despite the fact that halfway through I was like, why the fuck do I watch wrestling anymore? Yeah. That's a true fucking statement. Mm. Thankfully, though, there was some really good wrestling that went on that some of you would shit on and others would praise. We're going to talk about that in the mid-card because when we come back in the mid-card, we will be talking about the, uh, I'm going to call it because they didn't have a fancy name for it. It was kind of the Indies celebrate double or nothing weekend kind of like what they do with all big events vsx kicked it off on thursday it continued with pro wrestling revolver in uh fws or, or sorry fsw on friday pro wrestling revolver and game changer wrestling on saturday and black label pro we're going to break that down we're also going to talk about the big tos weekend coming up for gcw this weekend and also we'll be talking about new japan pro wrestling and the best of the super junior standings as we sit as of right now with that being said when we go to break if you're watching on stream you will see the information for the outro during parlay hour podcast if you are not or if you're not watching on stream you won't see that information but everybody will hear our good friend tom jolu who does if you're watching on twitch he does the countdown every mm-hmm. week his song sideshow well we're gonna play a song twilight zone we're playing that gonna play that for you right now uh make sure you support him on Bandcamp, youtube music and spotify and also, uh, look them up on these social medias. You can get that information on odphpodcast.com and also on 8122productions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy Tom Jolu. When we come back, we're coming back to mid-card and cranking this bad. Mama Jamma, out.
That's right, it's now time for that mid-card of this edition of 607 TWS. And guess what? What's that? Let's chat about some indie wrestling, but let's first give a shout out to this week's uh, mid-card sponsor, Fight.TV. You can get some tremendous action on Fight.TV, and if you're international, you get to watch AEW pay-per-views also on there. But that's where you can go to watch things like Wrestling Revolver, which we'll be talking about, You can, which is owned by Sammy Callahan, the draw himself. Oh. Also, you can watch Game Changer Wrestling and so much more, all on Fight.TV. And we thank Fight because we watched a lot of these events on there. Now, uh, we're going to do this a little differently, just in the interest of fairness and time, because shit, it was a long breakdown of D.O.N. because it deserved Reasons, it. Let's yeah. be honest, it deserved it. Uh, so I'm going to go through, I'm going to give a little, I'm going to give all the results and then we'll kind of chat about what we liked from the event. Sure. So uh, first up, we had, oh, I almost got them out of order because I remember I did one out of order. Uh, starting off on Thursday for this thing was VX. Uh, S better off dying from Las Vegas, Nevada. All of them are coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, VSX uh, VXS is a very good promotion that brings a lot of people in. A lot of people you see in Game Changer Wrestling, Wrestling Revolver, and other places work for VXS, and they kicked it off on Thursday night. Here are the results Jordan Oliver defeated Jack Evans in the opening contest, followed by in a submission match, Jimmy Jacobs defeated Kevin Blackwood. Dr. Redacted defeats Rob Shit. In a singles match. Uh, Three-way match. Brandon Gatson defeats Cole Raderick and Marcus Mathers. Then we had a no-disqualification match where the bad boy Joey Janela defeated Santana Jackson. Then we had all-elite Nick Wayne defeating Chris Bay from the Bullet Club. Of course, no in a no-disqualification match, Psycho Clown made his return to the States as he defeated Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd. And in the main event in the evening, in a Lucha Extrema match, Erez versus Drew Parker went to a no contest in 14 minutes and 43 seconds as these two men tried to kill each other. That was an insane card. It was an insane card. There was an escalator involved at, at yeah. one point in juncture, just so you guys know. Uh, very good card. Very good stuff. Uh, there was some extreme matches, but there was also some solid matches. That Jimmy Jacobs-Kevin uh, Blackwood match, super good. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Jacobs firing all cylinders again. Very nice to see. Uh, cannot put over VXS enough. Check them out. Always on Fight.TV. It continued, though, on Friday night because FSW versus Revolver Deuces Wild went down from the Silver Nugget in Las Vegas, Nevada. Here's the rundown of this card. It opened with an eight-man tag team match. Team FSW, Bodie Young, uh, Prodigy, Kai Jack, Remy Marcel, and Viva Van defeated Team Revolver, Billy Starks, Cole Radrick, Crash Jackson, and Dan the Dad, 11 minutes and 23 seconds. Next up, there was a suicidal six-way scramble match where Willie Mack defeated... Adam Brooks, Anthony Green, Damian Drake, Funny Bone, and Juicy Finois. Uh, and then next up, we had a tag team match. Death Proof, Cutthroat Cody, and Jacob Austin Young defeated Violence is Forever, Dominic Greeny, and Kevin Koo in one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Matt Vandergraff in a singles match. The walking weapon Josh Alexander gets the win over Filthy Tom Lawler in a 12-minute, 19-second match, which was one of the best technical wrestling matches you'll ever see between two tough sons of bitches. Facts. The FSW heavyweight title was on the line as Hammerstone retained the belt by defeating Davey Richards in a 16-minute, 28-second match. FSW no limit title on the line. Jai, Valde- Jai Vidal came in, and he retained that belt as he defeated all elite Nick Wayne and Titus Alexander in 12 minutes and 46 seconds. That was a great match. And last but certainly not least, in the uh, revolver title on the line in a fatal four-way, and we had a new 
Revol Wrestling Revolver World Heavyweight Champion, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Bay was your new champion as he defeated former champion JT Dunn, Kenny King, and Rich Swan. Nine minutes and 58 seconds. Don't be fooled by the time. It was a phenomenal fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about the card? I, I think that second half of the card was fucking phenomenal. The whole card was good. Second half was top tier. Fully echo that statement. I thought the second half really picked up the show. And it was a solid card from start to finish. Don't get me wrong, but that second half really put a statement on this. Absolutely. Uh, next up, we had Saturday kicking off. The events was Wrestling Revolver with Vegas Vacation. Uh, it opened with a sudden death scramble match where All Heart, a.k.a. the best in the fucking world, Blake Christian defeated Anthony Green, ASF, Bodie Young, Prodigy, and Cole Radrick and Gringo Loco and Jordan Alver and Nick Wayne. Holy shit. Yeah. Good Lord. Nine minutes and 56 seconds. That was a hell of a match, by the way. Insane lineup for that. Billy Starks defeated Shaza McKenzie in a singles match. Up next, the PWR Pro Wrestling Revolver Remix title. A pinfall to the pen match. Uh, Trey Miguel defeated Kenny King to retain that title. Mm-hmm. In a phenomenal match, by the way. Uh, next up was a four-way hoss battle. Originally was scheduled a three-way, but Hammerstone got added to the match. However, Crash Jackson won the match as he defeated Alexander Hammerstone. Kyle, Kyle Jack and Willie Mack. Can't go wrong with that. Next off, it was Dad versus Daddy. And I can tell you, Daddy won as Effie defeated Dan the Dad in a great match. Oh, this is great. The walking weapon, Josh Alexander, defeated Speedball Mike Bailey. (sighs) Then we got a Vegas street fight between two guys who have been around for a long time. And guess what? Mr. Three-Peat himself, Alex Cologne, defeated Jimmy Jacobs, the zombie princess. That was a wild match. And in a shocking case. Remember, this was a show that the Impact Digital championship was on the line Mm -hmm. ladies and gentlemen and your new impact digital champion rich swan as he defeated matt cardona to win the impact digital wrestling championship at a wrestling revolver show it's wild times but impact is the real forbidden door so that's why you say if it's the impact styles are on the line you never know what's going to happen and ladies and gentlemen the main event of the evening the pro wrestling revolver title was on the line remember chris bay had two doubles to take at it. Well, since Chris Bay won, JT Dunn got his rematch the following night. Ladies and gentlemen, and new Pro Wrestling Revolver champion, JT Dunn, as he defeated Chris Bay. Mm-hmm. However, he has sparked up the unit. Allie Catch has joined the unit, and she's the reason why Chris Bay is no longer Pro Wrestling Revolver heavyweight champion. Big surprise there, but what a fantastic card. Great card, top to bottom. Cannot wait to see more out of Pro Wrestling Revival. They are back in June with another gigantic show back in their home state of Iowa. Check them out. Make sure you're tuning into them on Fight.TV. Next up, though, is what we always wait mm-hmm. for. GCW presents the Downward Spiral live from the Silver Nugget in, Atlanta, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's talk about it. By the way, it opened up with a six-way scramble match. And a fan favorite early morning, Guy Steele defeated Jimmy Lloyd, Marcus Mathers, Matt Vandegrift, the rotation, and Titus Alexander in the opening scramble match. Steele made a statement, folks. Early morning, Guy Steele is a fan favorite. Wow. Next up, we had a six-person tag team match, and I'm reading this right. The team of Ali Catch, Billy Starks, and Sandra Moon defeated the second gear crew team of AJ Gray, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice. And Alley Catch broke the knife back out again. Yeah, once you see the knife, you know it's game on. 
Next up, in one of my favorite matches of the weekend, Speedball Mike Bailey defeated Chris Bay. Fantastic match. Matt Cardona stole a victory over all heart. The best in the world break, Christian. Yeah, disappointed to see this. Stole it, though. Yeah, stole it. In one of the best matches of all weekend as well, in a tag match, we had the Young Gunners. The East Coast ace Jordan Oliver and his tag team partner, All Elite Nick Wayne, defeat ASF and Gringo Loco. Wild match, but fantastic work for all, all parties involved. Like I can't stress about how good this match was. Daddy was on a real win streak as Effie defeated Kevin Blackwood. Might have been my match of the weekend, to be honest with you. All right. Uh, the legendary Dark Sheet defeated Jay Vidal. Yeah, this is up there, too. This is a great match. Making his return to Game Changer Wrestling, Johnny Game Changer, with Dad in his corner. He was a Twitch streamer. Yeah. Defeated Joey Janela, the bad boy. What can you say about Joey Janela? Put in some great work, but yeah, I was surprised to see uh, the formerly known as John Morrison and Dad. Yes. Yeah, like that pairing just threw me yeah. off of this match. And in the main event of the evening, and it was a fucking death match. A tag team death match, to be specific. The king of wreck shit, Mountain Cole Raderick, and a Japanese hardcore legend, Rina Yamashita, defeated the team of the th Mr. 3P, Alex Cologne, and the GCW World Ultra Violent Champion, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, 15 minutes and 51 seconds. And of course, those two men will mate this upcoming Sunday, which we'll talk about in a minute, in the first ever Cage of Survival. They couldn't get along, yeah. so they must get it, on, get it on. And that's what happened in this match. Cologne and Murdoch actually worked together a little well at first, but it boiled down in the hatred they couldn't overcome. Perfect storytelling going into next week. Speaking of next week, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, because that's upcoming week on Fight.TV. Make sure you order it now. Mm-hmm. We've got a huge weekend. It is the weekend of survival. It is tournament of survival weekend. Now, I'm going to say this. Most of the time, I tell you at home to try GCW. Yes. It is a great company. It's not all death matches, contrary to popular belief. They have a lot of wrestling action. As you heard in that, that, that last uh, card, there was only one death match. Mm -hmm. Everything else was phenomenal, either entertaining matches or pure wrestling matches. It is a great company to watch. I'm going to not tell you that this weekend because this weekend is not for the faint at heart. No. This is a weekend, although the second show is not all death matches, the first night of it is. Tournament of Survival is a death match tournament. It's one of the most prestigious death match tournaments out in the land today in the mm -hmm. world of death match wrestling. And it goes down this upcoming Saturday from the home of Game Changer Wrestling, the Carousel Room at the Showboat in Atlantic City. Ladies and gentlemen, we only know the first round matches because the whole tournament of survival is a tournament. Right. Uh, the tournament is an eight-person tournament, and there's three rounds. There you go. Here are the first round matches. Are you ready? Let's talk about them. In a first round death match. And by the way, each death match is different. Uh, they have not announced the actual stipulations yet, but each one on the night, you will notice they will have different gimmicks. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll have like the coffin death match. Sometimes you'll have the light tube. There's always different gimmicks and yeah. going through the tournament. So. Up first, we have one of the favorites to win this tournament, the returning Drew Parker, going one-on-one -on -one with the king of wreck shit mountain, Cole Raderick, who is probably the fan favorite here. You're, I'm pulling for the Cole. The people's choice. Yeah, I mean, how could you not pull for Cole? Like, that's that's the big question. This is going to be a fantastic match. Got to go with Drew Parker, though. 
Next up, we have uh, Japanese wrestler, our deathmatch legend, Rina Yamashita, going one on one with that motherfucker who's the baddest man on the planet, Hoodfoot. Oh, this is going to be an absolute brutal match, but I'm here for it. Speaking of Japanese deathmatch legends, Teru Segura is coming in and he's taking on the Iron Beast, Shane Mercer. Shane Mercer involved in deathmatches. I don't bet against him. Sorry, the Iron Demon. Iron Beast is his tag team. And last but certainly not least in the first round, we have probably one of the most legendary deathmatch wrestlers of all time from the United States of America, the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont, going one-on-one with Slade. Yeah, that's going to be a great match. Uh, I Honestly, I'm, I'm going to say I, I'm rooting for Cole Radrick, but mm-hmm. I think Drew Parker's going to move on. I do not know the brackets outside of this, but Drew Parker's going to move on. I'm going with Hoodfoot. Okay. Uh, I love Rena, but I'm going with Hoodfoot. I think uh, Toru is going to move on, and I think the Bulldozer is going to move on. Mm-hmm. Honestly, at the end of the night, my bet to win this is Drew Parker. I fully agree with you. I think this is Drew's tournament. I'm rooting for Cole, though. I think this could be a fantastic tournament overall, and like I say, deathmatch wrestling isn't for anybody. I wouldn't doubt, depending on how the brackets shape up, though, we don't see Tremont versus Parker in the finals. I, I can see that. Well, this is an event I will definitely point in your way. Of course, during the afternoon, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do believe it's, it's noon or 1 p.m. I'll have to double check for you. Check, uh, Make sure our following Game Changer Wrestling also check back with me because I can't remember which time they were fucking slated on. We have a JCW show, Jersey Championship Wrestling, and you can watch that for absolutely free on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube channel. All right. Uh, and it's called Fully Loaded. Here's a, there's going to be more matches added, I assume, but here's the matches so far. We have a singles match, Lindsey Snow taking on Janai Kai. Oh, that'll be a great match. The East Coast legend, Grim Reefer, going one-on-one with the Prize City OG, Alec Price. Ooh, okay. Axton Ray making his JCW return to take on the one and only Yoya. All right, let's go. And what I'm assuming is the main event of that show, like I said, there will probably be more added, but the main event of that show for the Game Changer Wrestling World Tag Team Championships. Bussy, Allie, Catch, and Effie are going to go on one-on-one with the Young Lovebirds, Billy Starks, and Marcus Mathers, and the GCW World Tag Team titles are on the line. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm here for this. That'll be a great match. I am also here for this. Cannot wait to see this. Yeah. Also, I would like to point out that not everything has been set up for Sunday's event, but you can watch on Fight.tv. You can get the bundle, which includes TOS, the Deathmatch Hall of Fame, and COS, mm-hmm. Cage of Survival. But Sunday, June the 5th, in Atlantic City, New Jersey, GCW presents its first ever Cage of Survival, which is obviously Cage of Death yes. from CZW. Only now it is now a GCW thing, so it's Cage of Survival. And myself and Ken M will be in the house. Hell yeah. In the carousel room in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Can't wait for, for the this. first Cage of Survival can't wait not everything has been listed yet i can tell you who's going to be on the card who's announced so far there's going to be more probably people added and there'll be more matches added i think they're going to see how tos plays out but let's go over what they have on paper so far shall we let's do it in a match that i am fucking stoked to see because she's had a hell of a run here masha slamovich is getting paid off because she gets to go one-on-one with indie wrestling hall of famer lufista oh that's gonna be a classic in a tag team match the second gear crew mance warner and matthew justice 
are going to go in, in against a team that I'm happy to see because it's been a while since we've seen them. Iron Beast, KTB, and Shane Mercer are back, and they are going to take on the second gear crew. They're going to tear this carousel room out. And in the main event of the evening, in the first ever Cage of Survival match, they can't get along, so they're going to have to get it on. The best storyline in deathmatch wrestling, in my opinion, in this last in the, in the calendar year, maybe even ever, mm-hmm. it's going to be a rivalry that I guarantee does not end in this cage, but it's going to be a nice little story step, and I can't wait to see it. The GCW Ultraviolet title is on the line. Your champion, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch. We'll put that belt on the line inside the first ever cage of survival against Mr. Three Pete, the former GCW Ultraviolet champion, Alex Colon. This match is going to be insane. Cage of Death was one of my favorite events of all time and one of my favorite gimmicks of all time. I know Brett and the crew will take care of it. Cage of Survival will be on that par. Mm. And there is no better first ever Cage of Survival that you could pitch than Murdoch versus Cologne for the GCW Ultra Violent title. How pumped are you for that main event? That is the selling point alone. I understand if you're squeamish about death matches, this is not for you. But this is going to be phenomenal. This is going to be insane. This has been GCW's best storyline in recent months. They're going to tell a phenomenal story in this cage. I cannot wait to get down there and see this live. Also scheduled for this card is uh, Drew Parker will be there. Uh, I'm assuming most people from Tournament of Survival will be there, so I wouldn't be surprised. You'll probably see Hoodfoot there as well, Mm -hmm. Cole Radrick, etc. Also, Matt Cardona, the king of the deathmatch. Oh, boy. Will be in the house. And uh, Sawyer Wreck will also be there. That'd be nice to see again. Sawyer Wreck, very good. And I've heard that the Briscoes may be in the house. Oh, boy. I think that was originally announced. Unless something changed, that was one of their original announcements for this show was the Briscoes. Because remember, we speculated that the Briscoes versus Second Gear crew could happen in Cage of Survival. Mm. But it's not. Unless something changes and they're swerving the shit out of us. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because we heard about it, but then it got real quiet. Well, either way, it's going to be a hell of an event. Keep your eyes on Game Changer Wrestling social media, because then we'll be dropping the rest of the card as the week goes on. Mm -hmm. And like I said, Tournament of Survival, we'll be watching probably from a hotel room, uh, but we will be watching Cage of Survival in person in the uh, carousel room, and I'm sure there'll be pictures, videos, and such. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal time this weekend in Atlantic City, New Jersey. With that, we only have one more thing to talk about in the mid-card. And uh, it's, a, it's an important thing because... Let's talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hell and yeah. let's update you on the standings of this year's Best of the Super Juniors. We're coming into the last week, so the Best of the Super Juniors will be finishing up the second week of June. Let's talk about We're it. we it, but... We've got round-robin action still going on. Here are your standings in Block A. There is a one, two, three, four-way tie in last place. All of these people have six points with a three and five record, and that would be Kanemura, Francisco Akira, Taguchi, and Clark Connors. Okay. Next, we have a one, two, three-way tie with four and four records and eight points, and that would be Show, the Sauce God, Alex Zane, and Yo. So both members, former, former Roppongi 3K in the same boat. Mm. 
In second place, we have two people with 10 points, five and three records, and that would be the ticking time bomb, Hamaru Takahashi, and of course, the Impact Wrestling X Division champion, Ace Austin. Huge, huge placing for Austin right now. And no longer undefeated, but still sitting at the top of the mountain with 12 points and a six and two record, the bone soldier himself, Taiji Ishimori. Okay. Next up, we're talking block B. And we have a one, two, three, four way tie in last place, all with six points and three and five records. Master Wado, Bushi, Doki, and Titan. Okay. Then we have a three way tie. So it's kind of like the other one. It's yeah, almost it's the same. Say almost and a three way tie with eight points and four and four. TJP, L. Lindemann, and the All Elite Wrestling slash Ring of Honor Pure Wrestling Champion. Wheeler Yuta. Surprised that Yuta's down that low. Not saying he was going to be expecting him in first place, but I expect him higher. Once again, with two-way tie, 10 points, five and three each. Former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, El Desperado and Robbie Eagles. Okay. And sitting in the lone possession once again of first place with 12 points, a six and two record, Bullet Club's own, actually House of Torture zone, mm. El Phantasmo. By the way, go. Phantasmo and Ishimori are a tag team. And they're both at the top of the blocks. That could get interesting if it all finishes like this. We got some great action coming up this week. Make sure to check out all the great action in the best of the Super Juniors, including the other matches. You can go back and watch them on demand and watch any other match live or on replay and njpwworld.com for 999 yen. Don't worry. Don't mm. freak out. That's around $9 American if you dig. Can't beat it. Well, that is going to draw us to the end of the mid-card. We've only got one thing left to do, and that is to talk about the main event segment. And that, of course, is going to be where we break down this upcoming weekend's WWE pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell, or the matches we have for it. Mm -hmm. And also, we are going to be talking about the move for Money in the Bank, which was big news in wrestling. We'll yes. be doing that in the main event of the show. But if you're watching on, uh, on Twitch.tv, you are going to see the uh, information for the Three Fenders podcast. My podcast is hey, fucking awesome. It is. You're going to see all those uh, that information. Of course, if you're listening at home, you're not going to see the information, but everybody is going to hear our good friend shout at the robots. You're going to hear the theme song to the Three Fenders podcast. That song is called Fail Better. And you can support them on Spotify, YouTube, Music, and Bandcamp. You can also support them on Patreon. I know they were taking a little bit of hiatus from Patreon. Still are, yeah. But, but keep it out there. Patreon.com mm. slash robots. And also, they got some new music coming yes, eventually. Do. Very exciting times, so make sure you guys support them as well. And you can find out all about them and get all their information from odphpodcast.com and 8122productions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with the main event of this week's 607T. W.S.
time for the main event of this week's 607 TWS live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. Of course, with replays and anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607 TWS. Here we go, Ken M. Let's talk. We are in the WWE portion of the show because mm-hmm. they have a show coming up this Sunday. Uh, sorry, a special premium event. Yes. Is that how you say that? No, it's not pay-per-view anymore. Special premium live event. Premium live event. You wonder, does Jeff Jarrett, is he involved in that since he's the new vice executive vice president of live events? Does, he count, does that count premium live events? I guess. Okay, but anyways, uh, we'll talk about that in a second course. You can find it anywhere. You can find it on the Peacock. Mm-hmm. For four ninety nine a month or nine ninety nine a month, you're whatever big. it is, gambler's choice, yeah. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever you choose. Yeah. But before we talk about hell in the cell, we need to talk about the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and of course, that is this past week we discovered or found out was announced <laughs> that WWE is moving Money in the Bank from Allegiant Stadium, where the where my Las Vegas Raiders play football, mm-hmm. to the MGM Grand. Of course, the reason being is they weren't selling enough tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had 24,000 tickets sold, though. So for all the people out there that were, uh, you know, oh, God, oh, look at them. They can't sell out the venue, so they're going moving. They still sold more than your favorite wrestling company. This is true. Sorry to be a dick, but it's true. Uh, I feel real bad for the people who bought tickets. Uh, they do have a, a, they got all refunds, mm-hmm. but they do, and they do have a, a, a code to get tickets first. However, the MGM Grand does not seat 24000 Right. Uh, I can get the exact amount here while you talk. How do you feel about this move and everything going on? Not super surprising because I did not uh, put one and one together that it's the same week of uh, UFC's International Fight Week. So trying to sell a, sell a stadium show at that point is going to be real tough because obviously that is a very, very big week for the UFC in their hometown. So to see the move, uh, listen, they got to do what they got to do, trying to do a stadium show, especially when it's not one of the big fours. And I like I understand what they want to say about money in the bank, but let's face it, it's still not there yet. I think it was a bold move, and I think it's one that the WWE did the quickest remedy about, even though, like you touched upon, seating-wise, somebody's going to be sitting home and not be able to watch the show live in person, but it is what it is. It's a business miscue, really done by WWE, but here we are. Yeah, and they're going to lose a lot of money on the 16800 for the MGM Grand. And because they couldn't book the T-Mobile Arena where AEW was just at, because the T-Mobile Arena is booked for the UFC show. Mm-hmm. And the U- that seats 20000 Yeah. So I was wrong when I was talking about last night. I thought the T-Mobile was smaller. No, it's bigger, but it's booked because of the UFC. Right. So they had to go from the stadium that seats 80000 Mm-hmm to a venue that only sits 16,800. So this was a big gaffe on them. Yeah. Right off top, they're losing like almost 8,000 tickets Mm -hmm. that they've already sold. So this is one of those times where they definitely made a huge mistake. Uh, Dumb knuckleheaded fucking move. Yeah. This is where Nick Khan's... There's two things that I play here, in my opinion. First of all, I don't think that most wrestling fans or WWE marks think that Money in the Bank is one of the big four pay-per-views. Yeah. Even though I enjoy Money in the Bank, I just don't think they do, apparently, by the sales. Mm-hmm. Also, going up against UFC probably wasn't the smartest thing because it's the same audience. So there's got 20,000 people who might have bought tickets to your event. Yeah. So that would bring you up to 44,000. And even if you don't put it to capacity, if you still put forty-four to 60,000 people there, I still think that's a win. Oh, it's a huge it's a win. Huge, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So there, there's realism there. 
but you're but you're never going to beat the UFC in Vegas. Oh, like that, no. the, so that was foolish for him to even try. I think unless they just misread weeks. I think that Nick Khan over overlooked it. Yeah, I I honestly do. Uh, of course, Tony Khan, you know, had to make a tweet about that and rub it in. It's like, dude, when you can sell twenty four thousand tickets, let's let's go. Yeah, because so far you haven't. the The highest was twenty three thousand at Arthur Ashe, right? Mm, so still a thousand yeah, short. There, yep. So we we need you to run a stadium show, Tony, and see how many tickets we sell. Once again, you had your largest gate in 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 the history of the company in a twenty thousand seat arena. Yeah. And kudos to that. That's what you should be banking on. That's what you should be talking up mm. instead of talking about stuff that doesn't matter to you. But here's the biggest problem. You sold it out, but it wasn't full. Right. There was a lot of empty seats. Mm. Camera angles don't lie. And also, you decided to book a brawl where they wrestled, where they wrestled into the places that were blacked out. Yeah. Anyways, once again, not shitting on it. I'm just pointing out facts. So if you're trying to take the high ground on your friends who might be WWE marks and you're an AEW mark, there's no high ground for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's fucking petty. You've never gotten to that level if you're Tony Khan in AEW. It's easy to prove me wrong. Book it and see if it works. Oh, sure. But as WWE, they definitely overthought what they were going to be doing here. With that being said, I still have faith and I saw the pre-sales. I think Nashville will be just fine for SummerSlam. Yeah. SummerSlam is a big event. Obviously, we already know Wembley is fucking sold out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had more. They had more people sign up for the pre things than they have tickets for. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sure they'll be fine there. Even though I guess the ticket prices are high. Yeah, but but the it, ticket prices are mania high, guys. Exactly. So, like I say, it makes sense for what they're doing there. So I think those two arena show, those two stadium shows, will go off the way they should. Yes. And we've seen the Royal Rumble usually does well in the stadium setting. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should do any more. I think SummerSlam should be in a stadium. Royal Rumble should be in a stadium. Usually they use a baseball stadium for Royal Rumble, but you could use a football stadium as well, as long as it's enclosed or it's in a nice enough area. Mm-hmm. And WrestleMania is in a stadium. Those are the only stadium shows. And then when you go over to Saudi Arabia, that's a stadium show, but that's obviously paid for. Right. It's a whole different story. And there. then, and then of course, this Wembley thing was worked out perfect, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should stretch yourself thin. And I think this was a big misplay by Nick Khan because he's the one that was pushing for this. Yes. And he's got egg on his face because now they're losing 8,000 ticket sales and they can't even go to the next biggest arena in the area because that's already booked for the UFC, probably causing part, not all of, but part of your problems. Mm-hmm. Fully agree. Just throwing it out there. Yep. So. With that being said, let's uh, move along. So everybody's got egg on their face, but let's move along to the event that is coming up this upcoming Sunday, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Peacock, Cock, Cock, the Peacock. Of course, that's the pre-show because the main show starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. And that, of course, is WWE's Hell in a Cell 2022. Um, It's weird to see Hell in a Cell in the spring. Yeah. I don't know what caused them to bump it up, but here we are. Not complaining, just saying weird. Mm-hmm. So here's there's only four matches announced. I know there's some more feelers out there. You could probably fill in better than me because I don't watch any hours of this television product. But let's talk about what we got so far, shall we? Okay. We've got Ezekiel taking on Kevin Owens in a singles match. Yes, so they've been building this feud for quite a while. The most entertaining uh, feud on WWE programming right now. We've got a two-on-one handicap. Who do you got winning in that? Sorry. Kevin Owens or Ezekiel? Ezekiel. I'm with you. I think yeah. Ezekiel as well. I think it makes more sense. Yeah, it does to continue the storyline. By the way, it's just kind of rehashing the uh, Mr. America gimmick mm-hmm. without the mask. Yeah. Although seeing Hulk Hogan in the mask going, I'm not Hulk Hogan, brother. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Kind of funny. 
Next up, a two-on-one handicap match. We got the almighty Bobby Lashley taking on Omos and MVP. Yeah, I thought this match was going to be done with the whole steel cage uh, match they did on Monday Night Raw, but here we are. So this one, I could see Omos getting the win, though. It's just good to have fucking Bobby Lashley on paper. Oh, absolutely. Next up, we got a triple threat match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Your champion, Bianca Belair, will be defending against Asuka. And due to her win last week, which uh, our good friend Padawan Jay told us about, Becky Lynch, big time Bex. Yeah, so this one should be a definitely match of the night contender. Uh, this one, I'm not sure how it's going to go. I think Bianca wins, but I think they're going to set up for some more things going towards SummerSlam. I'm sure there'll be another uh, Hell in a Cell match added, but there's only one announced thus far, and of course that is in a Hell in a Cell match. We have probably the blow-off to this feud, the American Nightmare, the Rhodes Lander himself, Cody Rhodes, going one-on-one once again with Seth frickin' Rollins, and I'm going to throw this out there. For anybody who's tired of this, this is one of those times where I am not tired of this match because this is a fight forever kind of feel for yes. me. These two put on fucking classics. I expect Seth Rollins is going to get the win finally here. I am with you because I think they're going to put the swerve on because they don't want Cody winning everything before he becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. So this will be a perfect way to blow off their feud. Seth's definitely been a great dance partner for Cody's reintroduction to the WWE Universe. So super excited to see what they're going to pull off in the cage. Sweet, sweet. I'm with you on that one. Uh, with that being said, what do you think is uh, going to be added to this? You, there's got to be one more Hell in a Cell match. Do you think? Do you have a guess what the Hell in a Cell match will be added? I'm going to take a long shot with this. Let's do this locks and leap stuff. Okay, let's do it. So the lock, I think, would be doing the Bloodline and Roman, maybe against Drew and another tag team. I know Randy, they're kind of keeping off TV right now because they're trying to sell it. He's got a back injury, allegedly. Yeah, or I don't know if that's a work or if that's real, but I, I've heard that it could be very, very real because he did say in an interview not that long ago that his biggest mistake was doing the RKO as his, his uh, finisher because he lands on his back every night. Yeah. So he's technically going to be off TV. So I wouldn't doubt them trying to do something in the Hell in a Cell. I don't think... Would they do like a super team where we would do like Drew, Riddle, and then maybe a third player? That's what I'm thinking, and I'm thinking it's going to be Shinsuke. That would be good because obviously his tag partner, Rick Boogs, is out. Yep. So I think that you could see that happen in there, or you could see Roman versus Shinsuke in there because they were teasing it way back when. And it was kind of like this throwaway segment on uh, SmackDown. So if they wanted to bring it back, they could, where Shinsuke came out, confronted him. And then Roman like gave him a weird, really awkward hug. He's like, you acknowledge me. And then they beat him up after. I remember that. Yeah. So and, I, and, and the whole time Shinsuke looked confused, which is hilarious. Yes. So I could see them going for that just for a quick filler match if they want to. Do you think they would put that in the cell? I, I think if they did that, they wouldn't be in the cell, though. In my opinion, at least. No. Do I think they should be? No, I'm with you on that, but I think that they'll want to get Roman in there just to kind of give it that kind of feel to it. I'm going to go the other way. I, I, I think all of those ideas, I think if you do the six-man, somehow six-man, mm-hmm. that would be good in a cell just because it would be another, you know, and I understand some people would complain, oh, two pay-per-views in a row, the champion doesn't defend the ballot, he's in six-mans. As long as they're entertaining, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there as a wrestling fan. That's all I care about is entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, though, if they don't do that, I would. I agree with you. I think that they'll do the undisputed title on the line, Shinsuke versus Roman, no cage, because yeah. there's no build. I think that they're going to go to Old Faithful in that case. I think you're going to do the unified tag titles on the line, the Usos versus the New Day in the cage. Okay. I, I just, and, and hear me out. I understand it's happened before, but there is no two tag teams that have better chemistry than the Usos and the New Day. Mm. Here's the thing. 
with everything happening, shit going down, that is a that is prime, prime in my opinion. The only other option you really have would it be do Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair if Charlotte's back from her honeymoon, which they could do that as a pop up because you don't need any storyline for that. Obviously, Charlotte wants her fucking belt back. Right. I don't think they're going to go that route just for the exact reason you said. Charlotte's off TV right now. Right, right. I agree with you, but yeah. I'm just saying it depends on how desperate they are, too, considering the fact that they don't have anything. Mind you, I'm saying they're desperate. They might have a plan in the back. I just, We're just not privy well, to it because they like to announce shit the week of on Raw and SmackDown. There's only one other option they could go, and this is my leap. Judgment Day versus New Bullet Club. So you have Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley taking on Liv Morgan, Finn Balor, and AJ Styles. That would be interesting. Yeah. I would see. I, I could see that six-man happening, or six-person, sorry, happening either way. Mm-hmm. And the cell would be interesting. Cell would be interesting. Unfortunately, they have that anti-intergender rule, which would make it interesting for the women in that match. Yeah, unless they just did AJ versus uh, Edge straight up. Or you could do the tag, Priest and Edge Priest. versus AJ and Finn. Yeah in the cage and then have the two ladies do a singles match i'd be okay with that too uh, i i could see them doing a six person and i would love honestly actually that the best thing there love that six person inside hell in a cell mm-hmm. i just think with their strict non-intergender not allowing men and women to touch yeah that could present problems in the match yeah i can you see agree that with too. that yeah, yeah if this was an indie show or somewhere that you know or impact where they've done intergender wrestling that would be a fucking solid match. Yeah. So I think they're really even shit on the table. Maybe between now and then they change their mind on that. I don't think so because of advertisers. Right. But I could definitely see that tag match happen in the cage as well. Yeah. I just I, I like the idea of Shinsuke versus Roman for the belt. Puts the belt on the line. There is a little bit of tiny bit of fill build there. Mm-hmm. Shinsuke is a plug and play guy. We've talked about that before. Nobody's going to complain that Shinsuke is getting a title shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody. Who's going to complain? No, it, it would make sense there because I th- I know the. But ru- in the cage is a little weird unless you do it as a six man with you know, again the reason why it's weird though is I don't think they have a feud that level. No, I don't. But it, it could be something that Shinsuke like demands it or something out of uh, the to management. Keep the bloodline out. Yeah, maybe, to, maybe, to maybe. Do, do something quick because I know the the early rumor was the three opponents picked up for Roman after this was going to be Riddle at Money in the Bank. Randy at SummerSlam, and then when they go over to um, the UK, Drew. the UK is true. So if they want to just buy time, Shinsuke is the easiest plug and play. I think that's true. That'd be good, and then you can do Riddle's SummerSlam build to Riddle at SummerSlam if Randy's not going to be back. Yep, which we've heard he's going to be off in disclosed amount of time. Mm-hmm. So you could have Riddle go to SummerSlam, and then Drew and and Wembley. Yeah, Drew at Wembley, it should be locked in stone. That should yeah, be a that, lock. That's done. That should be a fucking lock. You're dropping the ball and dropping money if, if he's not getting that shot in Wembley. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when uh, they put the Intercontinental title in the main event with Bret Hart and British Bulldog at Wembley at SummerSlam. Yeah. Smart moves. Mm-hmm. Smart moves. So I, I, I would say if you're asking me lock of all locks, that's a lock of all locks. Oh, yeah, true, I agree. True McIntyre will be the man who challenges Roman Reigns for the unified championship at Wembley Stadium. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't think we'll see the road. Uh, the Roselander is going to win Money in the Bank. We're going to draw it out. Yeah. I, 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 I see that happening. Oh, I fully agree with you, too. I mean, that it's his title to win. Although, it'll be interesting to see what they want to book. Because if, they, if they're kind of serious, uh, I mean, he would only be a heel to the British fans if he cashed in at the end of that match. Although, he wouldn't be necessarily. Because think about it, if Roman wins already, 
he's the savior. Then. Yeah, he he saves the day, and everybody goes home happy. And of course, you know that fucking although you could do it where Drew because Drew's a hothead. Yeah, he gets the, the quick pin. The bloodline comes out. He destroys the bloodline. Fucking Claymore, and out comes Cody. Yeah, throws the fucking thing in the ring. Crossroads one two three pins the champ, and it sends everybody home happy. It's neat. a big event, and he's on top of the world. I'm down for that. I think and he brings back the winged eagle belt. It's got to happen. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got to happen. I mean, he could bring back big gold because uh, his dad had that belt. Mm-hmm. No, but, but I think I think he has an affinity for that winged eagle. Yes, I do. I agree with winged you. eagle. We need it back, baby. We need it back, Cody. You heard me. Love it. The Roselander, baby, doing the Lord's work. Facts. Brought back the old Intercontinental title. He's going to bring back Winged Eagle. Watch. Watch and see. And he's bringing MJF, too. And MJF. <laughs> uh, it's a dangerous position, man. Going back to that real quick, it's a dangerous position to be in because Tony Khan's in a rock and a hard place. You pay him to stay at home until 2024. Yep. Let him work some indie dates or whatever, but pay him to stay home unless you can count him to come back. Pun intended. Uh, and, or you release him. But because his contract doesn't have a non-compete clause... You release him on Monday or today or Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. He shows up at Hell in a Cell on fucking Sunday. Mm-hmm. Either with bells on, no pun intended. Oh, yeah. Or he shows up, or they hold him off a little bit to show him at Money in the Bank and helps Cody win Money in the Bank. Because mm-hmm. you know he's going to come in as a face at first. Oh, my God, yeah. Because the crowd's going to cheer for him. Mm-hmm. And then they'll turn him heel. And if for people who don't think that they know how to do with him, I don't know. They booked the Miz pretty good. Yes. For those people, and then I know there's a lot of Miz haters, but the Miz book pretty solid. Oh yeah, and all MJF is, is a little harder edged Miz. Can he tone it back? Absolutely. Oh yeah. You think that he's not a fucking pro? Listen, man. Listen, my dude. Just, MJF is a pro. Just wait till he gets on that mic in front of that WWE crowd. Cody might not say anything nasty, but I guarantee MJF <laughs> will. Yep. There's a lot of weird shit going on. Hopefully. For the sake of all elite wrestling and Tony Khan, they settle that difference. Yes. Whatever it is, they settle that difference. If not, it's going to be a long summer. And you know what? I understand it is fair. Mm -hmm. It is fair to add extension with a pay raise. However, it's not unheard of to just add a pay raise. Yeah. And Tony does that shit all the time, I heard over at Fulham. Mm -hmm. I heard the football players say they're not going to take the pitch all the time to get raises. (laughs) I'm being serious. I've heard that's a thing. I've heard something about that, too. I uh, all of our friends, any soccer hooligans who know more about it, let us know. But I've heard that is actually a thing for him mm-hmm. because he caved too many times, so they just do it on a reg. Yeah. So just do it. Listen, you can't afford to lose MJF. Not right now. No. Cool him off. Like I hate to say it, fans. WWE has the right idea sometimes. What AEW needs to do is cool off MJF before he leaves that company in 2024. Mm-hmm. Sitting him at home is not. It's a cool off, but people want to see him. Yeah. And because of the way his contract is structured, he structured he can still work indie days, so it's not a complete cool-off. Mm-hmm. That's the part of exclusivity yep. This fucking king. Whether you agree with how they do business or not, there's a reason why WWE does that business. Mm-hmm. They're smart. So what you need to do, give him money, sacrifice that money, and cool him off. Book him to fucking lose all the time. Yeah. Because that way in 2024, when he leaves, which he'll still get paid and he'll leave, he won't be as hot of a commodity. Yeah. Although I'm sure he can fix that in one promo, but yeah, but it's still his work. Don't help him out any. No, don't help him out. <laughs> Tony Khan, please don't help the man out. He doesn't need any help. He's that talented. Don't help him out. 
Lots of stuff going on. You all Leaf fans, man. You got... This is a rocky road, baby. Like I said, that bloom is coming off. I hate to see it. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if Tony Khan has half a fucking brain, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, it's not me shitting on him, he will, not even about MJF, in the, he'll find somebody to help run that fucking company, have William Regal book it. Yeah. You've got Arn Anderson, William Regal, and Dean fucking Malenko. Yeah, I'm payroll. I'm sure they can run that company. Be the smartest you do the do business right shit and stay the fuck away. Let Regal be the figurehead. Let the other two help him. I bet you shit will turn around. Mm-hmm. I'll make money bets on that. We keep going the way we're going. The fans are turning yeah. on you, brother. I hate to tell you. I understand you might not know this, but there's a lot of fans turning on you. It's mm-hmm. true. I've seen it on the internet, and I've never seen it before. So fucking shock the shit out of me. Yeah. Dude. I've heard a lot of people saying, hey, the downfall of this company is going to be Tony Khan. It's indeed true. Tony, don't make mistakes, baby. Can't make mistakes. Can't do it. Be better. Got to be better. You're looking at possibly losing. Fuck you. MJF is good as gone. We've said it before. Mm. You're still looking at losing a hangman at a page. You're still looking at. And, and now I'm almost convinced you're looking at losing fucking Kenny Omega. Yeah. Nyla Rose is probably good as gone, too. A lot of change is going to be happening this summer, I feel. And if you don't think Vince doesn't know how to book Nyla Rose, that's a feather in their cap. Good oh, yeah. Lord. They'll make her fucking women's champion in a New York minute and book mm-hmm. her as a monster heel. Yep. She's made for that shit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the feather in the cap, of course, is, ex- you know, inclusivity. Yep. And on top of that, then you have, you know, Adam, Adam Page, I think, has got a lot of talent. Oh, yeah, Page will be coveted. He was one of the shortlist, and of course, Omega. Mm-hmm. Dude, WWE will still pay Omega because Omega versus Styles sells out anywhere. Yes. They'll headline WrestleMania was, as soon as he's freed up. Uh-huh. Omega versus Styles will always sell. So don't don't believe it. Omega will always be welcome in that company for that reason. Yep. Also, we get another match. But I digress. We've gone long enough. I hope you guys enjoyed all of our ponderings, ramblings, opinions. Before we go, Ken M, tell them one last time how to find you in the ODPH Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right on the front page. Check out the Parlay Points, New Blocks, Count Anywhere, Up Right Now, the T-Public Store, the Directory, the Classifieds, all of that, and so much more. If it's anything and everything ODPH, it's found at ODPHpodcast.com. Of course, for all information about the Three Fenders Podcast, 8122productions.com. Check it out, T-Public, lo- T-Public link, Patreon link, Friends of the Show link. Uh, everything's there. Everything's there. Sponsors, like our good friends here at Dragon Master Games, DragonMasterGames.com. Go to there for all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs. We say that because they provide us with the 8122 Productions Studios. That's, not, that's, that's shoot. Mm-hmm. Shoot. So cheers to them. Uh, with that being said, that's all we got for y'all. Mm-hmm. Fine, folks, this week. It's been a hell of a week for wrestling. We got another big uh, week for wrestling if you're an independent wrestling fan. Yes, also, you know, the make or break dynamite, whatever Tony Khan meant by that. Uh, of course, Hell in a Cell. I, eh, I haven't been sold on the premium events as of late, but I sat out Backlash, and then I ended up having to, then I watched most of it because it ended up being enjoyable. But, you know, me and my WWE watching habits are, are gone. Yes. Got a lot of stuff going on. So uh, you, it's always good to be a wrestling fan, period. Got a lot of stuff to look forward to. With that being said, though, until next week, when we're back at our normal time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right mm-hmm. here on Twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. 
for 607 TWS this week. We are saying we're bidding you adieu for myself, for Ken M. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And last, but certainly not least, later wrestling fans. Top ropes, one, two, three.